the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my marriage. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon, alongside Ed Corella. God bless. Sending thoughts and prayers. Yeah. <laughs> How's things going for you? Oh, it was, uh, it was an okay day. Some people gave me a headache, but yeah. I won't get it. I won't get into that. I'm actually got nothing to rant about. Um, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The people that give me the headache are the ones that uh, send emails of wanting to come on the show. And then I send them the information of how to get booked on the show. And then I don't hear anything back from them. And then I send them another follow-up be like, so what's going on? And they're like, I've just been so busy. Um, huh. You had enough time to respond to that email. All I need is you to fill out a form that has your name on it and a signature that you can do from your own phone. It doesn't have to be like legal notarized or anything like that like just put your name and the date and like <laughs> a signature it's like could literally take like five seconds so if you don't have five seconds out of your busy ass schedule then there's clearly something else going on because i don't know i just i don't understand the point of why people want to come on and waste my time sending emails and yeah dude book me i want to be on there i got so much stories to tell you and then all of a sudden it's like crickets is it like i guess i didn't have to sign it since i'm like on the show but like is it easy to sign it depends i guess if you're either tech savvy or not i figured anyone with a smartphone can do it they just open it up and you can click on the thing and like you can sign it with a finger or if you have to do it by a computer i mean you can do it there but like literally it's just anyone out there listening to be on the dark side of the scene i have a guest release form and all that does is say that you are giving us permission to use your voice and your interview on the podcast. And you can't come back in like 10 years and say, hey, I own your podcast episode because I was on there. No, it's just giving us the right to use your stuff without you claiming ownership to it. It's not a big deal. I suppose that's probably good to announce it on here. Not like it's one thing to like type down and say you want to be a part of something and then actually get the this weird form it's like hey i didn't know about this you know surprise no yeah, well, i that, get it anyone that looks up on facebook there's like a list of 10 things and it's the same thing i send them and it basically states i think number one is we need a guest release form because all that does is cover the podcast like at the end of the day i'm protecting us so if anyone has a problem with that and they don't want to sign a form because they're afraid that 
their signature now bound to them and I own them, their eternal soul. I'm not the devil. I mean, I guess it'd be cool if I was, but I'm not. Right. <laughs> I wish, yeah, I wish you were. Then we'd get some money out of this. Yeah. But no, that's uh, totally not what it is. All it does is just basically give us the right to use your voice and your air your story online and either podcast or audio or whatever the transcripts that get put on there as well. Like it just gives us permission to use whatever you say without you coming back later on and claiming you didn't give us permission. <laughs> so just covering our asses from potential lawsuits. Yeah. So, so it, basically that was my rant of the day is people that continue to, and I'm not targeting anyone out. This has literally been, there's at least 30 or 40 people that I'm not even joking about that have sent things wanting to come on and I've sent them all the information and I don't ever hear back from them. So huh. it's kind of, it's like, why in the hell are you wasting? Is my that time? like the pop podcast version of this? Is this available? <laughs> Possibly. It's <laughs> like Facebook marketplace is still available. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Don't please don't do that. Don't frustrate us. If just don't waste Brandon's time or I, well, actually I, I have, I send all of them any inquiries, inquiries to him. I don't want to deal with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've been the one receiving all the emails and I handle all that shit. I mean, I've been doing all the yeah. booking. So it's like, it all comes to me in the end and I do my due diligence to be responsive and hurry up and send them something back and be right. all timely about it. And then <laughs> never hear again from them. So I'm like, okay, well, clearly well, I mean, didn't want to come yeah. on to it bad. Yeah. I warned my friends about it. Well, I don't warn them. I said, just sign a, a release form, just protect us, blah, blah, blah. And I think the ones, I think they knew about it, but whatever. I don't know. It's not something that it's like anyone that's actually been on legit podcasts. I'm pretty sure they all have to go through the same thing. So mm. other people don't understand the point of it. They're like, well, if people have a problem with it, just remove the episode. Someone argued with me the other day over it. I was like, or just sign the fucking paper. <laughs> like if you don't want to come on, cause you don't want to sign the paper, then don't come on. Like, I don't really care. This, like, yeah. I'm not going to change how we do things just because someone else don't fucking feel like signing a paper. I'm like, right. okay. <laughs> yep. So that's the rant for the day, guys. So if you want to be on an episode of Dark Side of the Scene, you can send an email to me. It's Brandon at darksideofthescene.com. And I will send you a guest release form for you to fill out. <laughs> and if you don't fill it out, I'm probably going to sit there and think you're a dumb fuck. But you know what? <laughs> it is what it is. So yeah. sorry to come off as an asshole to everyone out there, but it it's my turn to bitch. So that that's my what grinds my gears for the day. Yeah. But we have a guest waiting to come in, and I've known this guest for a while. His name's James. He plays in the band Salem's Child. They're a local band from this area, but they've recently, within the last, I think two two or three years now, they've been signed, and they've got some upcoming tour that they're doing. So he's going to come on here and talk a little bit about the stuff that he's experienced and what it's like being on the road a little bit. So we'll bring him on in here in a second. So hang back and we'll get back with you. I'd like to welcome James to the show. James, thanks for coming out and talking with us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. What up? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so, yeah, the dark side of the scene, right? Yeah, that's... Uh... I started writing a blog about five or six years ago, and it was called The Dark Side of Your Scene. And okay. then 
I had like three or four things wrote out. I saw on like WordPress and then I just kind of stopped doing it. I don't remember exactly why I did, but uh, I've always wanted to do something like this. And then I think it was around that time frame after I was doing it, I noticed there's like the dark side of the ring where they oh, okay. talked about like the dark side of wrestling. Then there's like the dark side of comedy and all this other stuff. I was like, Hey, and then Ed and I started a podcast, uh, doing paranormal stuff and weird things back in the spring or no, back in the fall. I mean, and Ed was the first guest. <laughs> we, uh, we had an episode about band stuff and we had an episode about conspiracies and other bullshit. And a lot of people's like, Oh, you guys should do more stuff together. I was like, all right. So I got thinking about doing this and asked Ed if he wanted to be the host, co-host with me. And I wonder if are. that initial first episode pissed off some people. I think it did, even though that wasn't what I was aimed for, but I think somebody's mad at me because of that. No, well, it happens. I don't remember really saying too many bad things about that person, but they're mad at me now. <laughs> and I well, never you... said, I never said names. No one so... said any names. If they got mad, they just must realize they're an asshole. Already some fireworks. Oh, yeah, well, I'm yeah, not canceled. I'm not canceled yet. Sorry. <laughs> right. No, I mean, you know, at this point we're, you know, you guys, you guys have just started releasing episodes, you know, this week, you know, while we're recording this, uh, you know, am, am I one of the, I guess I'm probably one of the first guys that uh, you've done this with that's had an opportunity to actually listen to the show ahead of time. Yeah, we uh, interviewed someone the other night and he had actually done his research. It was actually a really cool interview. He's from New York. He's originally from Fort Wayne. He even oh, cool. watched. Yeah, he even watched my video. I didn't expect yeah. that. <laughs> He'd even watched Dead's the Beast video. Oh God, how embarrassing! <laughs> and then, um, but no, the episodes they came out last week. So there's four episodes I think released right at the moment because yep. we dropped three on last week and then one every Monday so far. Oh, right on, right on. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, I mean, it's good stuff. We're actually. This is probably. I think this is like. 13 or 14 that we've recorded so far oh wow yeah we've we've been recording at least three a week oh so you guys have really been busy doing this yeah no that's cool that's very cool yeah, yeah it's right. almost like a second job right except it yeah. doesn't pay like band stuff <laughs> oh you think that pays huh yeah yeah right <laughs> i don't even think the band <laughs> like, <shit>. yeah <laughs> like you're you're getting paid where can i get that gig right <laughs> That's oh, the myth yeah. that everyone thinks if you're in a band, you're making money. Well, not the any of the ones that I've ever talked to. Well, that that's that's the real dark side of the scene right now, isn't it? I mean, how hard it is to to be a touring musician. I mean, it's a it's an open discussion at this point that that a lot of musicians are having on social media. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, I've never done like full on tours. I've just done like weekend warrior stuff. Went like for like four or five days at a time around a weekend or something, but never, never anything like you guys have started doing. Yeah, but no, that's legit because, you know, between, you know, you, me and anybody who, who listens to this podcast, uh, you know, I, I think if, if you want to make money uh, playing music right now, uh, you, you've got to go the DIY route. Yeah. But you know, that only gets you so far that only, that only gets you to a certain level. Um, and you know, if you're comfortable with that, great, 
but you know, there's a lot of people out there and uh, you know, as much as I've protested against it over the years, I've kind of become one of them. That's, you know, I, I've got an opportunity in front of me and, and we're kind of pushing it to see, you know, just how far we can take it, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, it was, it was kind of one of those weird things that, you know, the guys that I'm playing music with right now, you know, they've all been playing music live in bands for more than 20 years. So we're all a bit long in the tooth. So it's all happening really late in life for us. So it's, it's a little surreal. It's a, it's a different path to take. Um, And I guess, you know, uh, there, there may be a perception that, you know, you know, who's this guy to complain about this or that later on in the episode. And, you know, that might be justified because things have gone pretty well. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, right now it's, it's tough to be a touring musician, especially at a smaller level. Um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make money. In the end, I think you spend more money. Yep. (laughs) Well, I mean, we went out for six weeks last year. Um, and we, we were, we started out on the East coast, went all the way, uh, through the Midwest, down through the South up the uh, West coast to Sacramento and then headed back East and ended up back in New York. Um, so, and this was, this was last year when the gas prices were just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Trying to fill up a gas tank was, was nuts. Uh, I think we probably spent twice what we had budgeted, uh, for gas alone. Um, also what kind of, what kind of vehicle did you have? Like curious, we had a 15 passenger van, no trailer, 15 passenger van. No. Okay. So everything fit in there or is this like, yeah. And what you you do is, is you just, you make your stuff as small as possible. You know, um, you know, the, we had, uh, a couple of half stacks, uh, in there for the two guitar players. I had a one by 15 amplifier for my bass. Um, the drummer did not pare down his kit at all. Uh, <laughs> shit. No, no. I mean, it, it was cool. We, we ended up, you know, we, we've all been packing vans for a long time now. So, hmm. uh, we, we made it work. And fortunately the, the folks that we were on tour with, uh, were kind enough to let us, you know, stow our merch on the bus. So, uh, it, it made room. Cool. It made room. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. It was, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we went out and, and, you know, we, we made, quite a lot of money, uh, at the merch table. We did, we did well. Uh, I'm not going to say we didn't, but, uh, uh, when you factor in the costs of what it cost us to go on tour, um, we, uh, we probably made two thirds of what we spent back. Yeah. So, so it's rough. Um, but you know, at this level, you're not doing it for money. Uh, you, you've got to get out in front of crowds. Yeah. So I think, I think that's a problem that everyone starts off with is when they start doing bands, if they're not in it for the fact of just playing music, they have like these dreams of hitting the road and making money. This, I think that's where it gets, and these kids get discouraged right off the bat is because it's not that simple. Oh yeah, it, no. Like, there's a lot that goes on with it. Like, you could go out and, oh, my band's been around for like 
a year now we're ready to start touring hitting the road well that's all good and dandy if you have the support system behind you but other than that like good luck trying to survive because if you're not well known yet or anything and you're just starting out like you have to pay to get on most of these tours if it's a good tour if you're going on, on a diy tour right no one's going to know who you are in that area so no one's going to come to those shows so you're not going to make any money Right. And, and, you know, even the ones that, that are paying to get on these tours, you know, it's, it's not just that you've also got to know somebody who gets those offers, Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, that's, that's the other trick. That's, that's where kind of the label side of the industry is really changing uh, from what we would traditionally think about, you know, at least those of us who grew up in the the eighties and nineties thinking that, you know, you sign a record deal, you're going to be rich. They're going to give you a big advance. You go into the studio you record your album, you go on tour, they pay for that. You just pay them back eventually, you know, when you make some money. Right. <laughs> and that's not, that's not at all uh, the reality of what's going on now. And then you're, then you're watching that Metallica video. <laughs> Like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, shit. They lied. Well, they didn't lie. It was just no. a different time. Yeah, different it was time. It was totally like that back then, you mm. know? Um, but uh, but you know, now you've you make music and instead of selling records, you know, you, you get it put up on a bunch of streaming sites and you make nothing streaming your music. You know? Yep. Um, so you're basically making your art for free mm -hmm. and, and ultimately your, your blue collar job description is you're a traveling t-shirt salesman writing catchy jingles, you yep. know? Mm. <laughs> so that's true. So, um, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's not, it's not what I grew up thinking that this dream was going to be. Yeah. My goal was to always record an album, release it, everything else. And then when finally it happened like five or six years ago now. And I had all those CDs pressed and everything. And then not really thinking about the fact that modernized people don't even like vehicles these days don't even have CD players in them. Right. And everyone streams their music. So it's like, <laughs> I, the reason I brought that up is because I was moving stuff earlier and a case of CDs fell. I was like, oh, look. <laughs> an entire box full of CDs that never got bought. <laughs> you would think oh, like the oh, environment. They got bought. Yeah. Yeah. They got bought, they got bought. by me. They got but... bought. <laughs> you think like we were saving the environment by not having so much plastic out there in the world, like from CDs and shit. No, no, there's no, like, I haven't seen a you know piece of paper or some scientist saying that streaming music saving the country. I, you know, I'm waiting for that report out. No. <laughs> right. But, but how do you, how do you feel about the argument? that it kind of cheapens the experience of music like oh yeah. you know that, that you're not you're not so connected to the band because you didn't sit there and like when i was growing up i'd sit there you know you'd have the cd or the or the vinyl and you'd open it up and you'd look at the liner notes and you'd read the liner notes while you're listening to the album the first time through and this that and the other and and you know, then it made you curious. You wanted to find out more about the band. Maybe they were doing things or, or, or had philosophies or, or viewpoints on life that, that really resonated with you. So you went, you learned more about them and you really became a fan of the band. Right. Well, I mean, in a way, like they're not so mysterious anymore. A lot of, a lot of, you know, artists post like 
you know, on their Instagram, Facebook. So you kind of get an idea who they are versus like them being a mystery. Not all of them. Some of them are still mystery, but like, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't feel right. like I lost too much of the connection, but yeah, like getting the whole package was a good time, but I feel like streaming has helped save me money when the album was terrible, and I'm kind of glad I didn't spend that 18 bucks. But oh, for sure, I, I, <laughs> that depends on who I it can't, is. I can't argue with that. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, the the good part of streaming, right, is you're reaching that many more people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Easier access, if, but right, but there's also a lot of easier access to recordings, and I'll probably, you know, uh, not gain any points with any listeners by saying this, but. There's a lot of shit out there. Yeah. There's there's a lot of crap out there that you've got to kind of sift through to find like the really good stuff. And of course, all that's subjective, right? You know, right. what I might think is crap, somebody else might think is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. You know, and to them, they're absolutely hundred percent correct. You know, they they are totally right because you know, art is interpretive, right? Yep. <laughs> so I had, a, I had a question about after you came back from tour. Yeah. Like, was that a fun experience that you'd want to do it again, even, you know, despite how much money you lost and, or, you know, how'd you feel after all that, you know? Okay. So it's, it's weird. You know, like you said, you've done kind of like the, the extended weekend tours. Right. And so, you know, at that, by the time that you've done four or five days, you're still having a lot, a lot of fun. You know, it's, it's, mm. it's still, you know, it's still an on the road vacation slash party with your best buds. Right. But after like six to eight weeks, um, I mean, you hate everybody. <laughs> I, mean, you, I heard that. Yeah, I heard by, about that. By the, by the time you get home, like the first couple weeks are total decompression. Uh, you, are, you are totally not yourself. Your internal clock is completely screwed up. Mm. Um, you are so out of rhythm with everybody that is central to your life here. And it's just, you spend that first couple of weeks trying to get back in rhythm. And then at some point it starts itching at the back of your brain. Like, man, you know, I love being home, but I got to get back out. (laughs) Oh, I got to get back out to do it. And it's, and it's weird because it's such a different lifestyle. Like Mm. I had, you know, I have a decent job and I'm, and, and I'm lucky enough that I can take it on the road with me <clears throat> but that's good that's good too oh oh man it's 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 a lifesaver and and mm. you know the uh if, if there was one good thing to to come out of like the beastly era uh, it is the fact that a lot of jobs are you know becoming remote you know where they can yeah. so so you know that has made you know, my life as a, as a professional software developer and a professional musician so much easier. Um, so, uh, you know, but the, uh, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, where I was headed with that was it, it just makes, it makes touring easier when you can, I've lost, I've lost my train of thought guys. Where, <laughs> where was I at? About the job, yeah. remote job. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, basically 
doing that on the road, however, is a completely whack experience too, because you're trying to put in eight hours of that alongside, you know, a full, you know, eight hour, you know, you, you get up at eight o'clock in the morning, you climb into the bus, you drive to the venue, one o'clock, you get out of the bus, you unload everything, you wait around for the, for the promoter to get there. He shows up around four o'clock when you were supposed to be there at, you know, two <laughs> and, then you got to, you know, rush through getting everything on stage and sound check. And then it's six o'clock and, you know, finally the doors are opening or whatnot. And you've got like maybe three hours to just relax for a minute uh, before you go out and you give everything you've got for 45 minutes and, you know, pack everything up and on to the next city. Right. Mm. You know, so um, it's exhausting. And so like, you know, uh, there, that's where I was that, you know, the two weeks after you come back, you know, you're recovering and you, you know, it's physical, it's emotional, it's, it's everything, it's mental. Um, and then, uh, then you just want to get back out and, and, and going after it. Hmm. Well, that's good that like you're able to feel that way. And like a, a lot of times it just sounds like, well, luckily you guys still intact, but I feel that's a good test to see whether or not you get along with these people and and then like how you feel about them later. Like, Oh my God, what a fucking nightmare that person was, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you really get to know them almost like, you know, you would know somebody that you're dating mm. on, on a six, seven week tour. Um, you know, you're, you're spending the night with everybody at some point yep. so you you know who snores and and who snores really bad and mm-hmm. who you know who you know has you know bad bathroom etiquette or or whatever you know or and at some point everybody got annoyed <laughs> with everybody else yeah. on some yeah. level Not but, feel that. but when you get back and whatnot it that, that's all gone you know, you've, you've got to be able to put that away and, and get back to work. That's good. I mean, uh, that the outcome is good after all that with, between you and your band, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you guys have been jamming together and playing together for how many years now? Yeah. Well, this configuration of the band uh, really formed in 2020. Like uh, we, uh, we had, we had pulled in, uh, Aaron and Johnny uh, at the end of the recording cycle for Sin, which was at the end of 2019. So, um, so a little over three years mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, You've been together for three years and already touring. Well, this configuration of the band. Oh, we had, we, we had another singer, and okay. we were a four piece prior to that for about five years. Oh, okay, okay. And then prior to that, Rob and I had this band in a completely different configuration from 1996 to 2002. Oh, okay. Okay. So, and, and that configuration of the band uh, had a little bit of success as well. I mean, we did uh, kind of the metal fest uh, tours or whatnot, which is, I mean, man, there was, there was definitely uh, some dark side of the scene stuff uh, going on hmm. uh, on on those things, man. Because uh, we're talking 2000, 2002, 
Um, you know, it was, uh, there, there was a show out in New Jersey. There was another one, uh, in Milwaukee and one in, in Baltimore. And, uh, we ended up, uh, hooking up through the guy who ultimately ended up doing the indie metal fests. Okay. Um, and, uh, man, it was just, it was, it was, it was weird because we kind of, un- and I'm not saying there was any intent on anybody's part other than maybe the guy who was putting on the whole thing, but we became kind of part of a money grab scheme, uh, unwittingly, uh, in that, which was, uh, uh, it didn't make us any money. We didn't benefit from it at all. As a matter of fact, it ended up costing us quite a bit. Uh, Mm. but, uh, but he was charging bands like, upwards of a thousand dollars for a slot on his show Jeez. and we're talking like three-day festivals with like, hundreds of bands uh, just it's ridiculous it was, it was it was you know it was one of those things where you walk around for five hours and then suddenly it doesn't matter who's playing they all sound the same yeah. you know and you know I, it, we made some really great contacts out of the deal so i'm not saying that you know it was wasted money or anything like that and you know, we still continued to work with everybody uh, except for like the very top guy after that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just, and it, it just makes you feel bad that you helped rope a lot of bands into doing that with and you. They, they could have said no once they said how much he was asking, but. Oh, that's, that's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, is that was that like hidden, or they're like, "Oh, no. you can be on this, but you got to pay this." You know? No, no, there, there was, there was nothing hidden, nothing shady like uh, that. But it, it was just it. It wasn't what everybody thought it was going to be. Okay, you know, and, and of course, you know, that's kind of the on that's kind of the ongoing theme of things that you learn as you kind of evolve in this in this business. Is you know, nothing is what you think it is going to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. You know, and even having a contract sometimes uh, doesn't uh, guarantee that things are going to turn out the way you think they are. Mm. You know. Yeah. Now, like those festivals and everything, I've actually, and this is years ago, but I was approached by someone, and we obviously won't name names, but right. it was something similar. And it was down, I believe, in Alabama, which I don't really. Anyone out there listening, I apologize. I just don't see Alabama being a big metal like area. Maybe I'm wrong, but couldn't tell supposed, you. It's supposed to be like a metal festival thing going on down there, and it was kind of like what you said. They wanted like seven hundred something dollars just for like a slot, and you had to pay them up front. That wasn't even for like another almost a year booking. Like they're booking for the next summer. I was like, who the fuck would pay you this kind of money? It was to put up the fence so all the Bible Bible Belt people to keep them out. That was all that the money was for. <laughs> but it just didn't make that, any sense to me. This was, I think it was probably back in like 08 or 09. And I remember getting like a random message and I'm pretty sure it was like a MySpace thing. If that tells you the era. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, I'm uh, familiar. And, uh, I don't even think I ever responded back, but then that was also the time frame that we were getting hit up by 
and I, they're not a label anymore. And there's always a big scam anyways, that they were called matchless records. Oh and man. I think I heard about these guys. They wanted, uh, bands to basically to get on their label. You had to pay them to get on the label. And then you weren't even really, they didn't do anything for the band. They didn't even like promote your shit. After. It was just a big scam. Like they're making all these bands. You had to pay to submit your music to them and stuff. Like it was just a bunch of horse shit. And, Bands kept falling for it. Like they sent us the contract they wanted us to sign this and I, that, but we had to spend like a couple hundred dollars just to submit it to them. And like, it's like right. you're basically paying them to submit your stuff. You're not guaranteed anything. That's fucking horseshit. Yeah, that's that. That's crud. I I would never I would never pay for a chance at something. No. Yeah, yeah I don't mm. know how. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I don't know how anybody would start a label and like not think these think this thing these things through that i mean if i was going to start a label i know i'm going to have to do some work to help these bands that gave me the money i don't understand how you to take somebody's money and then not do anything supposedly, like, that's kind of pretty scummy <laughs> supposedly the guy that actually started matchless and again this i'm not trying to be slanderous so i could be 100 percent wrong but i was always under the impression that the guy that had originally started it was one of the guys from chelsea grin and that was the scheme that they were pushing on to everyone is, oh, it's owned by the guitarist of Chelsea Grin. And they're, you could get on these shows and you could do this and you could do that, but you got to, we're being very selective. We got to see what you can do. And it was just a big money grab scheme. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, I'll level with you. You know, the, the, the stuff that, that we've been dealing with, you know, with, with our label is, is, yeah, it's not a scheme, but it's not that far off. I mean, you're still you're still buying into your contract, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but essentially, what that goes towards is you know they're they're going to you know try and help get you on some playlists on Spotify. They're gonna they're gonna uh, try and uh, uh, they're gonna put an advertisement in in, a, in, in some major magazines. Uh, they'll get you some interviews and press and things like that. Now, I mean, they they legitimately, you know, invest in your band with the money that you're giving them, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, apart from that, you know, like we've had a great relationship uh, with with our guy, and you know, he's he's done a lot of kind of pseudo management uh, for us as well uh, in you know, helping give us advice and, and, uh, you know, helping, helping us, you know, kind of move forward in our best interests, you know? Right. So, you know, we, we've, we've developed a really, a really good relationship with those guys and I'm really proud to be, you know, with pavement. Um, but you know, unless you have like 5 million followers, you know, already, when you when you first sign up, then you know you're probably going to be paying to be a partner, because mm-hmm. you know they're investing their time and their energy and and in in a lot of cases their money, uh, in promoting a band that you know has not yet proven themselves, and we're there. You know our social numbers right now are not great. <clears throat> you know, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, we believe in our product. We believe in what we do. Uh, we had a lot of success last year on tour. 
uh, I would feel like we've, we won a lot of fans. Uh, there's been a good response uh, to the announcement for this year's tour. We're going to back out with Doyle, um, uh, which I understand uh, another band that you guys have already done a show with, Choke Setter. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to be out there with Doyle at the, at the Whiskey. Uh, so that, that should be a good show. Are you going to run into them? You know, probably not. Uh, oh, I was going to say they're good guys. Our, feel, our feel run. Like well, I mean, I, I would love to, you know, run into them or do a show with them at some point. Maybe mm. we'll get that all sorted out. There you go. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize until I was talking to, to Brandon earlier this week that, that they had signed uh, with pavement as well earlier last year. So that, I mean, that's really cool. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's really cool that they're they're going to go out and, and do California with Sponge too, because because uh, the last release actually that we did was a Sponge cover. We did we did Plowed, uh, our version of it, mm. which uh, which was really cool because uh, our our guy at Pavement he knows he knows Vinny really well and uh, had uh, Vinny posted up on on Sponge's page, which nice. was pretty which was really cool. It was really cool. Yeah. We did a we did a cover of a seal song, and I've tried to post it on Seal's page, but that motherfucker did not pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn him! I'm still butthurt about that. Sorry, I just want to express that. You gotta hate the big industry snobbery, right? I'm like motherfucker. There's a, this is the only metal cover of this song. How could you not pay attention? Only metal covers, as far as I know. I'm just right. saying, right. bastard. I wrote that song too, the way it was. That that just hurts. That breaks my heart. Anyway, sorry. I'm really proud of you guys for doing that, though. Thank you. Yeah. But no, like back on your uh, with the label, like yeah, if they're willing to, you know, do a lot of the things because you know what they're doing is kind of a pain in the ass for anybody else to want to even like, you know, all the reach and the resources. That's just a pain in the ass. Like if they're doing that, it's cool. But also, you guys are willing to, you know, do your part versus saying, "Well, we're on the label; we don't have to do anything." But you guys are, you know, oh god! But that's but that's what it's all about at this level. You right. have to you have to prove that you are right out there and doing the work. And you know, yeah, you you can't just say, "Okay, yeah, I'm I'm signed now; I've made it," yeah. because you've you've done nothing, especially when you're you know, releasing your album in October of 2020 when right. nobody is touring. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so, so, so on that subject, so like how did the whole beast there affect your band and what you did? I mean, what did you guys do when that happened? Oh, it was, it was nuts because, you know, back in February of that year, everything was still cool. Right. You know, as far as, yeah. yep. you know, um, so back in February, we signed with Pavement and, you know, got our release date set for October. We were all geared up. You know, everybody was, you know, trying to put, you know, put money back so that we could build this big old war chest. And, you know, as soon as the album drops, you know, we're going to we're going to hit the road hard and and, you know, sell a lot of CDs. Right. Or or at least a lot of streaming cards. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, that's what happened to choke setter too same kind of deal really yeah they got fucked so uh well i mean you know fortunately you know fortunately we were still able to you know kind of work with with pavement and they you know they got it out and we we all decided you know hey they 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 made the offer to us to to 
you know, move the date, you know, do whatever we needed to do. And at that point we were like, God, this is going to be over by October. Huh. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we were just like, yeah, screw it. Let's just go with it. And, you know, uh, you know, everything would still go according to plan. So here we were, you know, all of 2000, most of, you know, 21, uh, not able to tour behind it. So what we did was we made videos. Mm-hmm. We made a video for every song on the album at this point, except for the last one. And the last one's going to be, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to share this or not, but you know, <laughs> fuck it. Uh, we're going to, we're going to do some composite video of some of the stuff that we shot on tour or whatnot that we didn't include in like our tour vlogs and things like that. Mm. And just have that, you know, kind of be, you know, like the the finale for the album that's and it's the last song on the album too so um you know uh get that cycle kind of done with and our our plan at this point is to hopefully be done with a new album by the end of the year now you said videos like music videos yeah yeah so, uh, so you had oh i was gonna say you had like somebody come up well what, what year was this again the 21 this was uh this was late 2020 early 2021 where you know you you're still not supposed to be hanging out and having bands. i was gonna say did you have somebody come out and like you know film this when they're like scared to get sick it's one of those things or it was it was all done in house oh Uh, okay okay you know the the very first video we shot which was the song that i gave brandon for the end of the show um we shot with a couple of uh, veterans uh, who were kind of instrumental and very informative in the making of that video and, and mm. what it's about and the content of it. Um, and, and really kind of the whole theme of the album, kind of the overarching uh, harmony that ties everything together. They were very instrumental in, in building that uh, with us just, you know, sitting around the fire and listening to them tell their stories and, uh, you know, uh, just interacting with them and, 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 and forging a brotherhood with them so much so that one of them actually went out on tour with us last year as our driver slash merch guy nice. and, and pretty much won the hearts of everyone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so, <clears throat> um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, we, during that time, you know, we, we were very careful, you know, uh, uh, Rob's, uh, household is is very involved in like you know, fire volunteer firefighting and, and paramedics hmm. um so uh you know they had a lot of you know kind of exposure there and whatnot and it was oddly enough you know during during that whole time uh you know none of us came down with it That's and it good. <laughs> and it wasn't it wasn't really until you know everything kind of opened up we started going out again but you know, now at this point it's endemic sort of. Right. Mm. So, you know, whatever, uh, the, the, the point I guess is, is that, you know, we, we decided to take that time and, and really just focus on having content when, when everything was, you know, people sitting around at home, uh, and not, not being able to go out and interact at shows or whatnot, it was content. And I would have sworn to you like towards the end of all that, that live touring was done. It was over with. It wasn't going to happen anymore. Mm. You were going to have bands like bigger bands or, or you know, even smaller mid-sized bands or whatnot. If they had a good following on social media, 
they would be able to book shows and kind of like geo fence the whole thing off. Um, yeah, I saw and, that. <laughs> right. Right. And like you sell virtual tickets to your show. You know, you play one show in New York in an empty freaking theater and you broadcast it to as many people that are in this one certain geographic area or whose IP addresses are in this one certain geographic area. And, you know, they can pay, you know, $5 to watch your show from the comfort of their home on their home stereo system. Right. Mm. But you do one in Chicago, you do, you know, one in New York, you do one in Los Angeles, you do, you know, one, you know, down in Texas somewhere or something like that. And then you call it a day, you know, for six months, you go, you write another album, you put it out or whatnot, and then you go and you do the same thing again. Mm. And to me at the time that was like, okay, that's, that's going to be the only way that you make money. You sell stuff out of your virtual store and you sell virtual tickets to your concert that costs you nearly nothing to put on. Right. You know, you've done a whole national tour in four days. Congratulations. Right. You know, but I mean, that would be terribly efficient. And, and honestly, I'll tell you at this point, I still wouldn't be surprised if eventually we're not there because you know, like we were discussing earlier, bands can't make money off of their music. You know, yeah. at this point, it's very difficult making money playing live shows. So what are you left with? You're left with your merch. And now you hear all of these stories about these venues taking money out of the merch booth. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, you know, it's somebody, not something. Yeah, somebody said that like it has been going on and it's just about about time somebody started complaining about it and calling it out i don't know it's i think they said that whiskey a go-go does that too they do yeah um yeah i'll I'll make no bones about it we we, we played there two nights on our on our last tour and they they definitely take a cut um they'll count you in they'll count you out and you know whatever whatever you've sold whatever the difference is you know they're going to take a percentage of I still think um, that's fucking bullshit because they right. didn't pay for any of that merch. I guess well, it's, it's for bragging no, they rights. <laughs> and, you know, kind of as I understand it, as, I, as I've as i kind of dug into it, because it, it really irritated me because that was the first place that we ran into it. Mm-hmm. And we actually ran into it on the last leg of the tour at a couple of places too, which I thought was just really weird because I'd never seen it happen before in the Midwest. And suddenly, you know, here we are, in the Midwest and there's this venue coming up to us saying, you know, Hey guys, you know, we take 20%. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But you know, here's, here's the catch. You know, that's all part of the touring contract that signed. It's already, it's already been, you know, they're not asking. Mm. They're, they're informing you that this is what you've, this is what you've agreed to. Well, you can't get around it if you want to play there. I get, I kind of get that, you know, Right. But that kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier, because at this level, we're not playing for money. We're playing to get in front of people. We want to be in, we want to be in your 300 to 600 person venue. Right. That's full of people. Yep. Um, But from what I ended up gathering, uh, talking with various musicians and and things like that, you know, while we were out on the road is, is that it kind of started back in the eighties on like in like New York and Los Angeles specifically um where like the straight edge bands were starting to get big 
and they started looking to play bars. And of course, if you're bringing in a crowd of people that doesn't drink, huh. you know, what bar is going to have you unless you're giving them a cut of your merch to make hmm. it, you know, you got to make it worth their while. Right. Hmm. Um, and so smaller venues started doing it and then, you know, the bands got bigger, their followings got bigger, you know, well, then the bigger venues started doing it eventually, you know, it just becomes normal for bands to pay a percentage of merch for no reason. You goddamn straight edge people. Half of you are half of you are quitters anyway. Oh no, now I've really started some <laughs> shit, haven't I? Oh uh, no. yeah, probably. Oh well. But I mean it probably it, but you know, in my mind, it probably started earlier than that, right? Because, right, probably. Because it's it, you know, it starts in the arenas back in the 70s and 80s when when t-shirts become like the standard souvenir of going to a show, right? Goddamn tie-dyes. <laughs> It's Aerosmith, man. It's oh, they did it to us. Probably. <laughs> Steven Tyler, I paid for your lips. Right. Twice. Twice. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, we don't really. I guess the origins might come back way back further. And it's just like, but again, because it's a sensitive time and because we don't make that kind of money anymore. It's like, hey, man, that's our nest egg. What are you doing? I got to we got to drive to the next city to eat, you know, it's not fair for the, and I, I, I commented on it on another podcast that like, you should just, that should like go for all the pop stars. Cause they make millions. Who gives a shit about them, but the right. little guys, come on, you know? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, for the, for the big guys, I kind of get it because you got to pay somebody to man your merch booth. Right. Oh shit. They got like a whole network of people that got to pay for, but yeah, it's oh, right. Know. Mm-hmm. You know, well, because you've probably got what six or seven merch booths arranged, you know, around the arena, right? You know, somewhere for 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 people or whatnot. But mm-hmm. you know, and I and I guess it's been going on for years in Europe too. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it it it's one of those things where I think people are going to kind of go through the five stages of grieving on it. They're going to get pissed about right. it. They're you know they're going to yep. get you know really depressed about it they're gonna you know all that and finally I mean, it'll, it'll eventually lead to acceptance maybe after I, you know some people have gotten into fights and 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 you know monuments and and you know stray from the path like run their course right the, so i mean i feel like uh, only only just the only justification for it maybe now nah, i'm just being i'm going a long stretch like if they actually like feed you and give you like unlimited drinks then you know then it might be okay a little bit but not yeah. if you sell a shitload of stuff it's like oh you fed us and shout well I'm, I'm trying to look at it as like a positive view like maybe they offer showers and all that shit man you get but, you get more free drinks playing local bars than you do as a touring yeah. musician i promise I you that. i bet i promise you that i bet you're paid with exposure Yep. <laughs> yeah let, let me pay my rent with that no yep. <laughs> here's a couple drink tickets thanks <laughs> great i haven't had a drink ticket in a long time and i think about it i always crack up because uh some of the shows we've played and someone comes up and they'll hand me like these tickets like at first i had no idea what it was, was like what is this or like it's your drink tickets i was like what's that I didn't, <laughs> guess that's how far out of the loop I was. I didn't know what fuck drink tickets were at the first, but then they're like, I was like, oh, we get whatever we want. They're like, well, within reason. I was like, okay. Within reason. Yeah. What, I don't what's know. A, what would be outside of reason? I don't know. Maybe like bottom shelf. <laughs> the the whole want, shelf. Yeah. <laughs> that's, this that's this a... one drink ticket needs to have like every alcohol in it mixed together. 
Yeah, just give me the bottle of Jameson, thanks. It's one right. bottle, right? Right. No, it's dark eye. It's dark eyes ticket. I'm like, shit. You said oh, a God. drink. You didn't say how big the drink was. A uh, drink. A drink. Yeah. So yeah. The one of the shows we played recently, I say recently, it's been like six years ago at this point. Fuck. <laughs> uh they didn't they kept buying me like Jaeger bombs, and the girl that was making the Jaeger bombs was not making them like the normal way. And let's just say when I played the show, I was pretty fucked up because everyone just kept buying me these Jaeger bombs. And I'm like, you motherfuckers are trying to kill me because I can't turn down for a Jaeger bomb. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, like I felt like instead of like the shot that she was filling up portion, she was filling up around it to the shot cup and like those little, the double shot cups, you know what I'm talking about? How they have like the shot in the center and they fill up the rim around the right. side of it. Oh, yeah. She, she was filling all that up with Jaeger. Like, <laughs> with, with like a drop of Red Bull? <laughs> and then it's like she put a little bit of Red Bull mixed in with it. And I was like, that, that's not how it works, but I'm not going to say anything. Just for just for color, right? Like, yeah. As, yeah, as if you can color Jaegermeister. <laughs> and I'm not even a big, huge Jaeger fan, but I do. I don't mind Jaeger bombs. They are one of my See, there goes There goes your chance at becoming a Jaegermeister artist. <laughs> that would require me to have a project worth doing, I guess. <laughs> They still give those out? <laughs> I I don't know. I wish they would because they they actually did some stuff, as I understand it. I would try to get our band to do that just for that free shit, but whatever. I know. <laughs> I I'm not sure if it's your band, but I remember what is it called? Uh, it's like a whiskey. What the oh, fuck? the cold cock one. Cold cock, yeah, oh, yeah. I've seen uh, a lot was, of people with that. That was stuff. actually after I left Burden, but yeah, they. Uh, they got it. They got into so cold cut. A little throwback, interesting uh, thing you mentioned: "Born Under Burden." Before oh, it was "Born Under Burden," wasn't it "Circle of Illusion"? Um. Well, was that was it? like way. Well, maybe not way before "Born Under Burden," because there was kind of two incarnations of that band too. Well, um, I think it was 2003. I actually went down to Frankfurt. Right. And, Most of uh, those guys. Yeah, I jammed with them like once to look about because they were looking for a vocalist at the time, uh-huh. and pretty sure the drummer was the same drummer you guys had in Born Under Burden, and yes. I'm pretty sure he mentioned you because they didn't have a bass player at the time, uh-huh. and I'm pretty sure he said James when they were talking about having someone come out to possibly on bass, uh-huh. and that was the one time that I was there and I jammed with them, and I just remembered. I vaguely remember that conversation they were talking about a bass player coming out and years later I'd seen the band and it was the same drummer and that I remember and one of the guitar players, which is the same one that's in your band now. Yep. Yep. And uh I was like, I wonder if that was the same I was wondering if that was like where your yeah, band that, came from. Like that was part of that. That was that was where that band started, yeah. Um it was uh late February. Uh, of 2004 I remember because I got the call from Dwayne the drummer um, the day after my son was born Hmm. (laughs) so Hmm. um, so it was it was probably either late February early May uh, when I came out for the first time so we probably just barely missed each other yeah yeah so I I vaguely remember as it could have been 2004, but I know it was at least 2003 because it was, I think, the fall of 2003. So. Okay. 
So they then how that must have went, and I'm I'm just kind of guessing based on what I know of the history of those guys, is they must have just recently had lost their singer mm. and were more or less putting a new band together. Now, when I showed up, um, they had already had a guy who ended up being the singer for the first go-round of Born Under Burden. So it was it was those two guitar players, the drummer. Uh, this kid singing, this kid, Andre, just an incredible singer, kind of in the, uh, kind of in the mud vein yeah. style uh, of things. Uh, but he was, <clears throat> he was pitch perfect. He was, he was really just an incredible talent. Um, uh, and he was the original singer for that band. We did an EP and that was the very first time that I was in like a professional professional studio uh was when we recorded the ep for that band for that version of born yeah. Burden. everything after that was kind of like a diy nightmare hmm. um uh after after the singer left the band we got we got dan in and he was pretty much our singer for the bulk of of what burden did yeah that's that's the guy i remember is daniel yeah um and, uh, you know, at, at that point, you know, he and I were really kind of driving this DIY mentality that ended up culminating in us starting, a like an independent label, uh, together, uh, for a little while. Um, and, you know, I, I think, I think there is a space for that, but I was, a I I was a true believer um, I was like, you know, uh, make your music, release it online for free. P you know, it's the tape trading culture of the modern world. You know, you get, you, you know, at this level, you just want to get your stuff out there. You want people to listen to it. You need followers, you need numbers on socials. And all of that is still true. Hmm. But the DIY thing only gets you so far. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and unfortunately it's usually not you know, out of the red. Mm, yep. Yeah. And I'm not saying that to, you know, discourage anybody from doing it because really, you know, the, the, the folks that are making great music are not out there doing it for money. Uh, they're, they're doing it because they are great musicians or good songwriters at the very least, yep. you know? So, you know, I guess like the, the model band that everybody kind of raised about what they did is periphery obviously you know they started young and then what they did was you know they got on the Sumerian and they had a pretty decent deal with them I mean they, they kind of waited until like a better deal came around and then at that point you know they became bigger and then they started like branding themselves and endorsements and then other companies because you know they knew that they weren't making shit right and then you know they all the, the whole reach of different companies and softwares and all that shit. And then they started their own label for themselves. And the only people they sign is like people they believe in and not just like any Tom, Dick and Harry's like, Hey, you know, I mean, right. I, right. They became their own bosses and you know, that's, that's pretty cool, but man, that's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot. Well, I mean, it's a lot of responsibility too, because yep. once, once you, and, and, you know, that was one of the first things that I learned really early on was, you know, once you, you know, bring 
another band into your family. Um, and, and really that's what it is. It, you know, you're, you're pretty much agreeing to, you know, represent their name and go just as hard for them as they do. Yeah. Um, and really, I think, you know, getting back to, you know, uh, the, the, the folks thinking that they get signed and they can, you know, just kind of relax and take, you know, take their foot off the gas. Huh. Like, n- no, I mean, that, that's, you, you haven't started to work yet. Yeah. You know, at that, at that point, now the work really begins is, mm. you know, you are, you are continuously proving yourself, you know, to yourself, but also, you know, to your label, to the guys that you're on tour with, to, you know, uh, their management back home. And if you think, you know, word travels fast about, you know, that, you know, they say bad gas travels fast, but it's that much harder because if you get somebody saying great things about you, that moves just as fast and it hits even better ears Mm, because, you know, a lot of the guys that are out there that are, that are booking bands to be the direct support for the bigger tours and things like that. They're not always buy-ons, you know, sometimes, you know, you get to where you're working with somebody or this, that, and the other and you know you start getting on these tours because you're great to tour with Mm, yeah you know these guys are going to go out there they're not going to give you any trouble they're going to work hard the crowd likes them you know it's you know it's a good time for everybody it's a great show okay boom they're part of the tour package you know so that's the reputation that we're trying to build right now is you know we're you know not necessarily the good guy bands because you know we're not we're not punks you know we've been we've been around here forever you know in in our heads at least you know we've we're still paying our dues at this level (laughs) but you know and 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 that's the other myth is you never stop you never stop paying your dues (laughs) it's that's that's actually what yeah that's uh what jeff jeff from queensrike says still you never yeah. stop paying them. No, no, they, oh. you know, they, they're called dues for a reason. Right. They never don'ts. Yeah. But, um, you know, they're just, uh, you got to go out and you got to work hard. And if you don't work hard, then do you really deserve the success that comes with the folks that do? And so, on on one level, it's kind of merit based. On the other, it's ex- you got to be extremely fortunate. You know. Hmm to meet the right people, right. To get their feet in the doors of, of, you know, an industry that is really is still trying to sort itself out. It seems like, you mm-hmm. know, they don't, they don't know what's important right now, but right now they're looking at social media numbers. And so like, in my opinion, a lot of the music that gets pushed heavily by the larger labels right now, it's artificial, it's contrived. It's, you know, it's, a TikTok video. It's good for 15 seconds and then it's gone. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you you don't get 15 minutes anymore. Anybody is a creator right now. Everybody's creating stuff. You know, you got a guy in his bedroom with a laptop computer, you know, making, you know, Emmy winning, you know, film scores and shit like that or whatnot. You know, he's doing the next thing for Martin Scorsese or whatever. You know, it's just there's so much saturation. There's so much that you've got to filter through, but 
the bands that are out there that are making the name for themselves of doing the right things, those are the people that I think ultimately uh, the right folks are looking for. Not true. And then you were saying like the, the whole TikTok thing. I just pictured a kid at the laptop trying to twerk. I don't know why. <laughs> Anytime someone mentions TikTok, I guess that's the first thing it, I think of shaking ass. On a, yeah, twerking yeah. on a, a stuffed teddy bear yeah. or some shit with a laptop. When my kids mention TikTok, I'm like, you don't need TikTok. You're not getting on there shaking ass. I, I <laughs> yeah, right. But but get this. You've got your kid on there twerking to a 30-second you know, MIDI song that you programmed in 15 minutes and it goes viral. And suddenly you've made more in 10 days than my band has in the last five years. Right. Yeah, no, I know. I'm tempted to get one, but I don't want to, you know, like I told somebody in the band, like make a TikTok for us. I refuse to fucking touch that shit. I'm already like doing the Instagram and I basically own the Facebook. I don't want to start another stupid social media thing that is a necessary evil all of a sudden so yeah uh, i feel like this thing's gonna need one because i can take sound clips and put them on there because they claim that's one of the things that everyone does these days is you should twerk twerk with one of our sound clips like to this one yeah i'll just be there that would would be a great promo video for your show (laughs) i'm I'm pretty sure that would get canceled instantly like we we ain't shaking that guy's ass. We're we're done. He's canceled. This yeah. is definitely a terms of service violation. Right. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. If I got cease and desist over somebody saying a certain word, God knows what would happen about me twerking. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but what does that do? I mean, what you know, you've you've got all of this like disposable art suddenly mm. that you know it's not going to fill stadiums. So when the bands that are filling stadiums stop being bands, who's the next, who's the next group to come up? Hmm. You know, is it, it's, it's surely not going to be the dude who programmed the 32nd MIDI song that made more than I did. (laughs) You know, they're going to, you know, they're going to depend on, on bands to start being good again at some point. I hope. I feel like, (laughs) I didn't know if like a, Maybe I missed the story, but I don't know if like a TikTok is what made Lorna Shore get as big as they did. But I'm not sure because I have mixed. Well, I have a mixed thought because I know there was like they were basically, you know, the guitarist admits that what they're doing is nothing groundbreaking. He's been doing the same shit. Now everybody's paying attention all of a sudden. And like they had a, a singer before they have a singer now. And like he got into some shit and put them on the map because of like allegations and all that (laughs) all of a sudden they had to find a new singer and then this guy came out of the woodwork so it's like the tension was already on them but it wasn't like good at the time wasn't good for them but then all of a sudden they i think they blew up but he was doing videos he did videos of them with a scope down his throat that's where i really think they were getting like popular from is because the vocalist was having like scopes down his throat when he was well i mean that came afterward because they wanted to see how he made the pig noises well that that whole crowd is is really super into that shit right right i mean you you've got you've got the guy from cattle decap you know gargling water and singing into a microphone at the same time or or whatnot (laughs) you know like real like hardcore ventriloquist shit that you know, super impressive. Right. And, and what he can do with his voice and actually pull off live. 
I, my, my wife and I went and saw him up in Chicago a couple of years back or whatnot. And they were just incredible. What does just, he do with his voice? I guess I've only heard a few songs and he sounds like a cartoon, but I, what oh, is, man. Yeah, what is it, it like, about it? He has, he has done all kinds of like, just, I call it vocal acrobatics, but it's all that like, like slam death, you know, uh, uh, guttural pig squeal shit hmm. that by like it sounds like the exorcist thing going off, right? Because, okay. uh, and and I'm familiar with it because my stepson, uh, is fantastic at that shit, huh? Like, he is literally amazing. Like, the the hmm. Lorna Shore uh video. Uh, or or the the song where like at the end he does like this ridiculous like like five pigs fucking and dying all at the same time uh. um <laughs> like sound or whatnot so he gets up there and he grabs his phone and he's standing in front of his mirror and like just matches it exactly <laughs> in front of the mirror and on video like this dude like the kid's incredible i'm not, I'm not you know I'm not going to take anything away from I, I never thought like we'd be in an era where like that finally gets respected. You know, like you listen to death metal back in the day and you're like, everybody's just like, Oh, this is appalling. But now it's like a whole new generation of people that embraces how extreme I, you could sound. Right. Right. And, right. and I, you know, how, how difficult is that to do? I mean, probably a lot like same with like I'm, the dude from Mark Spire, like how fast you can actually like sing those. Yeah. Like, holy shit. (laughs) Now, I mean, to, to, I, I've never really been like super into that. Uh, but to watch him do it and to kind of like experience his process, you know, at, you know, at 19 years old, you know, and just being that good, you Mm know, um, it's, it's pretty impressive, uh, you know, and, and, and very humbling. Right, because because good... I suck. I have to really work at it. <laughs> right. I've I always mean, like... just kind of thought they were dumb at first, but when I first heard it, I was like, "Is that dude trying to sound like a pig?" Oh man! And the one of the first bands that I ever like, I think they were called Waking the Cadaver. I think they're still a band, but I'm pretty sure years and years ago, I heard some of their songs, and it was all just those noises. I was like, is this even like real? Are these words? Yeah, like right. they have they have all these lyrics wrote out. I was like, that doesn't there's there's no way. <laughs> right. Right. No, my I, I think my first really, you know, deep exposure to like the straight death metal vocals was a local uh death metal band called Harakiri, uh from Indianapolis. They used mm-hmm. to they used to play the Emerson all the time. I think that vocalist was the original vocalist of the contortionist. Oh really? Yeah. I think they've had multiple vocalists since then, but I'm pretty sure that was the band. I forget they're from Indianapolis. That's so yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Interesting uh, connection. The two brothers that are in that band are related to my old guitar player, Anthony's. Uh, it's his, like his first cousin's husband. I know it's one of those weird things, but they're all like they're a couple cousins away from each other. Like, that's strange. That's huh. really cool. I know that the current vocalist, he's from New Jersey because I remember seeing him live and I go, Indiana represent. He's like, actually, I'm from Jersey. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh whoops. I, we actually played with them guys a few times 
obviously before they became what they are now. We right. played with them at a coffee house over in Lafayette, and then we played with them at a rundown shithole of a place over in Marion. No, that's really cool. Yeah, I I totally forgot that that they kind of originated from around here. Yeah, they were just local band back in 07 and 08 when we played with them. And like I said, they were just, they were really good back then. And then like three years later, they were signed and became what they are now. I want to say, yeah, sorry. I want to say, I want to say we played Beale Street with them. Mm. Mm. Maybe. I I think now they just sound like Porcupine Tree. Like, okay, you you just sound like Porcupine Tree now. But I like Porcupine Tree. For what it's worth. Yeah, I was going to say, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. No. I'm not a huge fan of the newer stuff that they've done. I still like it, but like it's way different than like Exoplanet. Their first album is one of those albums that I can listen to the entire album and never get bored with it. Right, but he can't just turn around and make that album again. No, no. But like I said, else. it's just one of those classic albums. One of my all-time favorite albums. So I always go back to that one. Oh, yeah. But like their new stuff's good, but to me, it just doesn't doesn't hit as well as that first Actually, one did. I actually right, have that CD, right. and there's like a limited pressing of that, so I ended up buying it at the show because it's like not very many left of Exoplanet. They it's re-recorded really... it too and redid it. Oh, well, I got the original. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> see, there you go. But see, that's that's the that's the really cool thing, and that, that that's that's how you have to do it to sell CDs these days, right? Yeah, Is be... you you got to do something cool with it. Like yeah. the Ocean Collective does does really really cool shit with their releases. Like they'll have like a vinyl and a CD release kind of side by side or whatnot as a box set with a whole bunch of additional art. And they'll have like, you know, one CD you'll have like the, the, the music with the lyrics on top of it. And the other CD will be just the music. And then, you know, I'll have a whole bunch of like pictures and things like that thrown in with it mm-hmm. in a super like artistic uh, kind of packaging. Yeah. I honestly, I, I would say this this is kind of funny. I never thought vinyl would come and make it back. I did not expect all that. Cause like when it first started coming out and I seen like, and I was like in Chicago, I was like, is that at the gates on vinyl? What the fuck? I just (laughs) did not expect that. How big that would get like at all. And now it's like, I think it's still, well, I don't know how farther back as far as pressing goes, but like, like there's got limited companies that do it. It's like, man, it's smart time to start a company that presses vinyl. But, I've noticed that cassette tapes are becoming like popular. Yeah, that's again. weird too. Oh huh? man, see that that seems really weird to me because like vinyl seems to me to be a lot more durable than than cassette tapes. Granted, it's it's larger. Right. Um, you have to stick them in a corner and it'd be fine. Right, but <laughs> who's who's got a tape player or or trusts <laughs> one or remembers having one that would still trust one? Yeah. <laughs> You gotta yeah. go to Goodwill and try them all before you take one home, if they sell them anymore. I don't know. Go right. real make retro sure, and go eight track. Make sure you get one of your packages of old, like Maxell ninety minute. You know the with the with the <laughs> crazy eighties angled artwork packaging on it. Right. Yeah. It's Throw like, one of those in there just to see if it works. Or just put like your live video on beta. The VHS <laughs> era is starting to return as well. I was like, shit, I still got tons of VHS tapes. I got a lot of X-rated movies. Maybe it'd be worth some. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Off topic, but you mentioned that <laughs> we remodeled our bathroom this past summer, and underneath the tub was some porno mags from the early '90s. And the guy took me out back and said, "Hey, I found your stash." I was like, dude, those would have made me like 
seven, eight years old, maybe when <laughs> those would have been I was like, it's not mine. Oh, they were the, early. Oh, they came with the house. Huh. Yeah. They're yeah. apparently in here in the house. The house was built. You in might the have 70s. some hidden shit in their house. You gotta keep looking. Possibly. For stuff. But no, well, they I were guess... they're under the tub. Uh, that's a convenient location for them, I guess. I don't know how they were gonna get them out from under the tub, but that's where they were. All right. Yeah. Like your your tub was in the in the floor, right? It's not Yeah, like... the tub was in the floor and like there was a closet next to it, and I guess if you'd have took the paneling down from inside the closet, you could have gotten under like access to the tub. I'd never oh. tried to get under there, but apparently there's an access to get to the piping or whatever. And oh, up behind the pipes were a couple of old uh, penthouse and hustlers. <laughs> old husband, old husband fixed the pipes one time. Was like, ah, I've got a, I've got a stash space now <laughs> for my right. Porn. He fixed the pipes and probably drained his pipe for a little bit. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I've got that visual. Yeah. <laughs> so any uh any like crazy things that happened to you on tour? Like, you know, oh, well, lots of lots of crazy things. Mm. Um but uh you know, probably probably one of the most interesting things, and this kind of goes back to, you know, uh you know, you can never, you can never count on things being as you would expect them to be. Right. Um, we, uh, we ended up in Texas at some point and now, uh, we had, we had an agreement basically that said that with the exception of two shows on the tour, uh, we were the direct support. Hmm. Um, and then, you know, as we were, out there or whatnot, things kind of expanded and it ended up being, you know, there was, there was those two shows and there was, you know, three shows, you know, with Wednesday 13. And then we found out the day before a show in Texas that, um, I hate God was going to be playing with us. Nice. Right. And, you know, there was actually like some initial like verberation, uh, in the band of, you know, what the fuck, man, here it is, you know, uh, you know, we're supposed to be the direct support. I'm just like, dude, you know, stash it, you know, for the moment. You've you've got to accept the fact that if we just shut the fuck up and do what we're supposed to do, this works out really super well for us. Yeah. You know, you know, we you know, we look like the good guys because you know, we're stepping back, letting you know, letting the bigger guys who deserve that spot you know, take that spot or whatnot. But, you know, things worked out really cool because, yeah. you know, the, the, the way that, you know, Doyle was handling things is, you know, they, their band's area was pretty much, you know, their bus. So being the direct support, a lot of nights we ended up with the green room. So we ended up that night more or less sharing the green room with, I hate God. I didn't and <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you know, it, it, it was it was really cool they 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 even you know turned around and gave us a nice you know nice shout out on stage or whatnot and it right. wasn't just one of those you know hey what you know what do you think about the previous bands blah 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 shit you know it was like you know hey those guys were really fucking good but um <clears throat> but uh you know the the whole thing was is you know they they gave up their sound check you know they were just like you know fuck it you know we're just going to do kind of like stadium you know or festival, you know, sound stuff, you know, just on and off this, that, and the other, <laughs> everybody's a pro. It worked out really well. Um, you know, it, you know, it, it, it all, it all ended up working out in the end. So I guess that's not really the dark thing, but I guess, you know, the point is, is 
you know, one of the, one of the hardest lessons to learn is even when you're at that level, you've got to behave with the professionalism of somebody that is at the level above you. Yeah. Very true. If your objective is to advance to that level, it's kind of the whole philosophy of, you know, dress for the job you want. Right. Um, But you know, everybody remembers the assholes for being, (laughs) for being assholes. Like otherwise you guys wouldn't have a podcast. Um, true. (laughs) Um, shout out to assholes. Right. But if, if you're going to want to be remembered for being the dude who is there to make sure that the show works, if you want to be remembered as that guy, you got to work that much harder. Like people work really hard at being an asshole and I've seen some of them pull it off really, really well, (laughs) but they don't, they're not the ones that get invited back. You know, so, and if your objective is again, not to make money, but get out in front of people, you want to get invited back. So there are times where you've got to kind of eat shit and smile, but in reality, we played in front of, I hate God's fans that night when we weren't expecting to. So I'm going to, I'm going to eat that burger with a smile. Yeah. You know, even if they don't like you, they're going to be forced to like you. So whatever, you know, it, it works out for everybody. It worked out. It worked out so well. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and like, you know, the other ones that, that, uh, Wednesday 13 jumped on and that was a great show, mm. you know? Um, so, so basically and, these were good surprises. As oh, well, they, they were good surprises, but okay. you know, thing, you know, things happen all the time. Like, mm. you know, uh, when we got out to the whiskey, uh, for, for this particular tour, And, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus here. I don't even know, you know, who knew what was going on or what, I don't know the full story of what happened behind the scenes, but as it worked out, you know, the Friday and Saturday night that we were at the whiskey, we ended up being the opening band. Those were the two nights that, Mm. that were in the contract initially that, that we weren't going to be. And honestly, I don't know how much of this I'm supposed to divulge or whatever, but you know, it's all in the past. It's, you know, but this was all stuff that we knew ahead of time. We all agreed to it. You know, there was nothing shady, nothing underhanded, you know, everybody was so above board and, and I can't say enough good things about, you know, Doyle's guys and, and, and the tour management and his, you know, label management. I can't say enough good things about those guys. They were so incredibly good, especially the, the, uh, the tour manager that was out there with us. You know, he didn't have to take care of us. He didn't have to look out for us. And boy, he sure did. Mm. So, you know, I, like I said, I've got nothing but great things to say about those guys. Those guys are freaking awesome. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it was one of those things where we got out there and here you are, you're getting ready to play the fucking whiskey, right? Right. You know, it's, it's been a dream of yours for 20 years, blah, 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 this, that, and the other, you know, all of these great bands have been in there and played before you, you know, you're, you're really more or less standing among ghosts and, and just experiencing that whole like West Hollywood thing. Right. Does and, it have and, a, sorry. Go ahead. Does it have a vibe? Did you feel a vibe or just like, it does, it does. It does have a vibe. Nice. And, and you know, it's, but it's also kind of one of those, you know, you never want to meet your heroes experiences Mm. where, I mean, 
here you are, it, realistically speaking, you're on a busy street with nowhere to park. <laughs> you got to load and unload your gear. You got to find some place to park your van mm -hmm. that you're not going to get a ticket or towed. And then you're playing a venue that I'll just say we've all, I guarantee, played much bigger venues. It's not a big place. That's what I heard. <laughs> a few people it's, on here said that. And, and I'm not saying that to slam the place. Like I said, right, it was right. it, it was a dream come true to play there on a Friday night, much less mm. a Friday and a Saturday night. So I have yeah. got no complaints whatsoever. Mm. Um, but you know, you're there playing at like 7 p.m. on a Friday night. Oh. <laughs> and Hollywood, like people are just now having dinner, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so but you know, we, the, the Saturday night was so much better, um, than the Friday night. But, uh, so it was kind of one of those humbling things as well, because you're like, fuck, you know, we're playing the whiskey, you know, and you're getting in there and you're playing the same, the same level of show that, that you've, you know, you've been playing before you got signed and went off to do this. Right. right. Um, and that again, that was also the night or, or the two nights where we first experienced the, you know, venue taking a cut of the merch. Mm. Um, and you know, that was kind of weird to navigate because we weren't expecting that, that, that was something that kind of surprised us. And of course you, you immediately have to, you know, kind of cycle your way through those stages of grieving real quick, uh, right. to get to, to get to harmony and, and getting back to the mission of, you know, making show that making sure that the show, you know, works. Mm. Um, and, uh, is that my timer? Is my time up? Yeah, I know no, I'm kind of running a little bit long, but, um, but, uh, but you know, the, uh, the whole experience out there was, was wondrous, but at the same time, very humbling, yeah. you know, cause you know, a, a trip out there. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, not naming names, but you know, I've seen some bands that have, have invested the massive amounts of money to get from the Midwest all the way out to West Hollywood to play one night and then turn around and come home. Yeah. And I, and I, and you know, I'm, I'm really happy that they had the opportunity to go, go and do that or whatnot, but I felt really bad for them because I was like, man, guys just take two weeks off work and play right. your way out there and play your way back. Right. And even, even if you don't make money doing it and you won't, but that's not the point. Right. You're not going to have, you know, taken an extremely expensive vacation to go out there and, and, and play granted a legendary venue, but uh, a venue of like 300, 400 person capacity. Right. Hmm. So I had a, I had a question. Have you ever seen Doyle without his makeup? <laughs> um, or does he hide? I was curious what he looks like, like under all that. Like, uh, have... I I have, and uh, I'm not at liberty to discuss it. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> he's just like he's just like got like a beastly body. It's like, what does he look like under there? I mean, there's old pictures of him like without it, but I'm like, I wonder what he looks like. But again, that's fine. I well, I mean, he's you know he's practically naked up there. I mean, you know exactly what he looks like. It's just right. Got, he's I, just got the makeup on. Yeah, I know he's got the corpse paint kind of you know misfit paint. 
It's like, yeah. I always wonder what he looks like without it. Not that it matters. Cause he seems like a really cool guy from like his interviews and yeah, he's a genuinely cool dude. I he heard really he is. is like, he's ginormous, but he's like really nice. Oh yeah. He's huge. He's huge. Yeah. I would not fuck with him. No, <laughs> he's got that New York accent too. Like what the fuck, man? Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. He just looks like uh-huh. a guy that would joke around with you, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah. He's, he's, he's him and his brother, are definitely Jersey guys. And like, um, I want to say it's his nephew uh, came out with us uh, and, and was actually out in Hollywood with us. Mm-hmm. And like that dude was a trip, uh, <laughs> just, just a lot of fun, but yeah. like straight, you know, straight, you know, kind of New York, New Jersey guy Yeah. You know, that, 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 you know, everything that you would think of, you know, that was, that was him and he pulled it off and he had just so much charm. He was a good yeah. dude. Good yeah. dude. That's cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, but like, yeah, you know, getting to, getting to know those guys was, was the real experience, you know? Yeah. Um, just, you know, the things that, the things that he's seen and done and, you know, his experience and, and kind of really humbling, you know, at, at the end of it, at the end of it all, you know, we were kind of talking, he, he still, you know, he didn't realize the entire time that, you know, that was our first time doing a tour on that level. Mm. And he was like, you know, he, he actually was pretty shocked. Uh, yeah. and, and he was just like, you know, you guys just keep doing it. You know, you guys are, you guys are doing the right things. You know, you guys are, you know, kind of more or less, you know, making the show work. Right. And, Not being fucking spoiled kids and being a bunch of jerks with right. attitudes. Yep. But I mean, they even hit us up like the, the, the bass player and the drummer, uh, for the band even hit us up kind of pretty early on in the tour and they were like you know man it's really cool that we've got a band that's you know going to be with us for the whole tour you know we don't get that very often you know we'll Mm -hmm. actually be able to you know get to know somebody you know so that was that was a really like super cool part of the experience was you know getting to know them and you know kind of meeting some of their friends and and things like that along the way which was which was really cool no that's cool because like i feel like as though it's fun to meet your fans and shit, you know, that's only like, what do you call that? A single serving friends versus like people you're on the road with and you gotta, you gotta get along. Otherwise it's going to be a long four weeks or whatever. You know, I could see why that means a lot to them. You weren't being a bunch of jerks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, they, it, it's, it's hard sometimes, you know, I guess, cause you know, when you're, when your only downtime is, you know, spent on a bus, Hmm. I imagine it's got to be pretty hard to be excited about going out and pressing the flesh with a bunch of people. And, and for the tour that we did, you know, because it was so close to, you know, after the beastly era, um, you know, there wasn't any meet and greets going on for anybody at that oh, point man. in time. So, yeah. you know, that was just, it was one of those things where, you know, that it was something that the fans wanted. They, you know, they desperately wanted, you know, meet and greets and things like that. And it was just, you know, it just wasn't possible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with a lot of the things that were going on. And I don't, as a matter of fact, I think, I think when we played Buffalo, it was like three or four days after they had dropped their mask restrictions. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel yeah. like yeah, I don't miss those times at all. You know, like I'm glad we're kind of out of the shit, so to speak. But man, that was a, a rough time for anybody who really liked to go to concerts. 
Is your upcoming tour going to have meet and greets on this one? Uh, as far as I know, yes. Okay. Yeah, That's I think good. I think they're already starting to sell those packages. Okay. So yeah, yeah. I said I think now for the most part it seems like everything's kind of almost back to how it used to be. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. and by the way, we don't charge any extra for meet and greets. Our, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> So, so if you want to meet us, okay. See, that's that's the that's the reaction. That's 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 what I'm used to. <laughs> huh. The whole time we've been talking, I actually don't even think you've mentioned the name of your band yet. Oh, uh, Salem's Salem's Child. Uh, a, with with an E. Yeah, we. Um, I introduced you a little bit prior because Ed and I usually get on about ten minutes prior, shoot okay. our record our little conversations and usually it's one of us bitching about something and then we <laughs> bring somebody in but yeah i i think <laughs> i mentioned the band you were in up there but i thought the whole time we've been talking i was like i don't know if you no, actually think, named no i remembered that we probably should have but like his story cool, was like... so intriguing we didn't care anymore <laughs> but, but now we care to now it would make sense to mention your band last it would be good you know if anybody's it made it this good. far yeah <laughs> you guys should tour destiny's child and then like really have it out with them it'd be the battle of the childs so have you have you played any salem cities because that would be pretty fitting uh in fact uh our first show uh, on the last tour was in uh just outside of boston and so like the day the second day of the tour ended up getting canceled there was some kind of issue with the venue uh, um so uh instead of traveling to the venue or the area that we weren't going to play we you know spun off and we went over to salem and huh. uh, wandered around salem massachusetts for a day and that, was, to, that was pretty cool and you go to salem oregon from where our last one of our last guests is from yeah, have a venue out there, so that would probably make sense if you go there too, dude. I would love to get out to the Pacific Northwest, man. There I would, go. I would think that that would be very cool. But I guess, I guess one of the big challenges for, you know, that whole area is that you know it's so spread out up there it that is. that uh, you know it just kind of makes touring at a regional level for those guys, you know, really difficult. Mm. He said he's only Salem's what forty five minutes from uh, Portland yeah oh okay yeah but uh no i think once you get up to like that area and then from there in the next big place would probably be portland and seattle but then from there you're like almost it's an Van entire it's day's Vancouver, drive right yeah and then it's like a day's drive to anywhere in california because california is so fucking long <laughs> yeah man like i think i think the longest stretch of road that we did on the tour was between sacramento and denver yeah but at the same time that was probably the best scenery of the tour too sure because <laughs> you know we went through the sierra nevadas and and just you know here we are it's it's turning into late spring and you know, there's still a lot of snow up in the mountains and whatnot. It was, it was, just, it was just gorgeous. Nice. God, you know, so th I mean, this is not much of much of the dark side here. No, but like, it's, minutes, it's, you know? no, it's been, it's a lot of reality that some people need to get, you know, yeah. I mean, it can be dark if you had your mind set on like, if things were going to be like handed out to you, but hell no, you know? Yeah. And, and like it, so basically like, the other guys, they 
their schedule is a lot of mature as well. Like, I mean, you have your job, but like, is their job pretty lenient about what they're doing? Well, uh, the guitar player and, uh, he is a digital creator. Uh, like he does video, photo, uh, you know, other digital artwork and, and okay. does music and things like that. And he's also a volunteer firefighter. Yeah. So he's got a lot of freedom to, you know, kind of do whatever he needs to do. Um, you know, our, our drummer and singer, you know, both weld for a living. So, you know, they're all, their job skills are always in demand, but fortunately I think for this tour, everybody's got enough vacation time to cover it. So nobody's going to lose their job, which is amazing. That's good how that works out. <clears throat> yeah. And you know, the, the, 17 days i think we're going to be gone uh i think i'm going to end up burning a grand total of like five and a half days of vacation nice for work so nice so i'm going to be able to do you know the rest of that you know from the road which is you know thank goodness for that i'm pretty jealous like because i feel like in my this is my opinion like i don't think my band would be able to do all that i could just see like their jobs getting in the way and like they said it might be they'd be flexible but like again like i you know we got to have some backing on that and like i don't i just don't foresee my band ever doing that i mean but honestly. see that's that's where it requires some commitment though right i mean you got you got guys that and not just not just to the band but right to to making the band work where right. you know if if you've got guys saying that they can't do it because they don't have the vacation time but you know, they took the week vacation to go party with their friends down in, you know, San Juan or something mm. like that, you know, mm. well, then, you know, where's your priorities, dude? You know, granted, I, you know, I'm glad you had that life experience and you had fun and you made that choice for yourself. But in the meantime, you're fucking the rest of us that are right. out here trying to do this. Right. Yeah. No, I just, I just know their schedules and what they have going on. I don't think this would ever happen. Even in, and I, I wouldn't even waste the labels time even if like they do a lot of the work i just couldn't see us kind of picking up the slack for the rest we have to do that's just my opinion no they're probably, I, I, they're probably mad for saying that but i i just don't foresee it and i i just life gets in the way and but you, you know, know sometimes yeah yeah they don't listen to this podcast <laughs> right would you, would you you know you know at that point you know are are you happy at the level then that you're at are you uh, happy just making music for, it's just i'm more like you know, making friends music. and yeah i mean i'm i'm okay with that i mean i'm i well, pretty then, much then yeah. that's totally legit you know yeah. if that if that's what fulfills you go for it man i'm you a know, i'm yeah i'm a rock star in my head i have a camaro but i have like a decent paying job but i'm not saying that's like all the greatest things just to work all the time i like i do like writing music but it'd be cool to like actually do what you're doing just for like a week and you know oh yeah yeah but see that that's the ideal situation though is you know get one you know get on to like you know regional runs for larger tours because right. you know it, it, it that's when the light bulb went on for for me like when i told you you know doyle's guys were telling us you know hey it's really rare that we get somebody to do the entire tour with us and the light bulb kind of went on i was like man you know instead of paying you know this much to do an entire tour can we start coming back and saying, Hey, you know, you've got a string of five dates, you know, running through like Ohio and Michigan and Indianapolis and Kentucky and Illinois or whatnot. Yeah. We want those dates. How much, 
you know, how much does it cost us to get on those dates? Right. You know, and at that point, you know, it's only, uh, you know, you're really splitting hairs is the difference between you and the local band that's saying, you know, I'll pay you $600 for 50 tickets to get on your freaking show, right. which I have like, I have gone off on, you know, tangential rants and just like vicious vitriol filled rants against people who do that and Ooh. how, how, you know, how angrily worthless it is for a local band to spend their money that way, yep. you know, um, or to allow themselves to be taken advantage of in such a fashion and, or still have people <laughs> that fucking guilty. Yeah. But you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that's, that's the industry right now. That's, yeah. that's, you know, cause bands aren't making money on tour. So mm. they don't have a choice, right? You know, they've got to have somebody else help foot the bill for the marketing and shit like that. Now, granted you get your name on everything now, you know, that's not how it was always in the past. You know, a lot of times in the past, by the time that they'd signed on, you know, the band to be the direct support, you know, the tour posters and shit like that were already printed up. They were already been sent out and, and whatnot. And you just happened like people found out who the opening band was when you said who you were came out on stage, you know, but you know, now at least, you know, we're getting, we're getting to be part of the marketing. So it's, you know, it's worth that. Um, and of course it's worth the opportunity to, you know, help make his show work, which worked for us last time. So to us, it's a good investment. Totally. Oh, disclaimer. I didn't mean to say what I'm a rock star at home earlier. <laughs> oh no. You guys we all are, are. Yeah. In our heads. But no, I'm, yeah. you know, I think I think, you know, from a local scene perspective, I think that's the attitude though that that really you know, has kind of gotten in the way of like scenes picking yeah. each other up. It's the difference. It's the difference between the scenes that are supporting each other and bands are starting to reach escape velocity out of, because yeah. you've got to, you've got to get spun up in your local scene before you can actually get out. And, I, I, and, yeah. And I feel like that. that's very completely important. Like where we live, like I feel like we need should we should make a bigger impact because if your own town kind of doesn't care about you, what makes you think like a random town will? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I I feel that's pretty important. But like, I don't know. I've been saying that forever. Actually, I mean, well, I, well the old I, the old school philosophy was you know before before you go out and you take on the bullies and the other neighborhoods or whatnot, you need to own your own, right? Yep, clean your own shit out of your own yard, <laughs> right? But I mean, and, and you know with streaming and you know social media that's not necessarily the case anymore mm, but sure. um but it helps it yeah. it definitely it definitely helps when people are looking at you and say hey you know when they play shows you know they're packing the house but yeah. you know strangely enough it's it's probably not the band that's generally regarded as the biggest band in your scene mm. that's doing the thing yeah. that's that's packing the houses because you've got bands that are playing literally the same city you know eight ten times a year right and you know yeah maybe they're opening up for hoobastank or you know whoever hmm. 
but and, and maybe they're playing the biggest house in town yeah but are they packing the house with their people and are the people that are there to see the big bands who might have seen them two weeks ago open for this other big band do they care right uh -huh. you know so you can't you can't judge the band that's being the most successful by the band that's getting the most gigs with you know opening for so and so because yeah. you know when we get back to the previous discussion of what does it really do for them i mean right. you know at this point you've helped the promoter not grow broke yep i mean you've 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 done your part you know you are the cog in the system you've you've helped the promoter not go broke and pay for this larger headliner to come through and this band that's opening for the headliner, you know, helped offset, you know, their marketing costs or, you know, maybe covered the cost of paying for the tour manager for the, you know, first month or, you know, however, you know, however all that works out, you know, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, everybody's kicking up, you know, at this point. Yeah. We, uh, we open for, I don't know if I'm allowed to say anybody's name on here. I'm not calling anybody out. I'm just saying like, well, we opened for like Nita Strauss and like we sold like a shitload of tickets. I mean, nice. we, we we got a percentage of them too, but like nice. And then we asked for more and like we opened up for them. We had a lot of, we had a good turnout from selling and you know, a lot of people know who she is. So they all showed up and like, right. We had, we had a lot of people go, Oh, I never heard of you. And I'm like, you know, that, that drives me nuts, even though it's like not too far from us where we live. Right. But like, you know, it was nice to have that exposure, but what came out of that? I don't know, like a few people that liked us and then probably forgot about us because I still don't see some of those people at local shows, even though, well, maybe it's the distance. I don't know. I, yeah. I'm I'm kind of weird about that. Like, I don't get like, I don't get too much in my head about like, oh, they like this, blah, 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 because we're just probably a flash in the pan. That's just me. I might be like overly, underly humble because I almost don't care. Right. Like. I mean, if somebody saw, I like playing live and everything, but if somebody paid attention, good. If they, if they keep their attention, I'll give you just as much attention too. but right. I don't know. It's, you know, like there's just one of those things where you open for a big band. Will they remember you later? I don't know. Right. You know, and, and, yeah. and chances are, you know, and with the schedule that, that these bands are on every night, like their downtime, their moment of Zen, their time to relax is between 6 p.m. and the time that they go on stage. Mm -hmm. So anything that happens in that time inside a venue packed full of people, they're probably blissfully unaware of. Right. And yeah. it, you know, and it's not because they don't care. Oh no. It's because they've got to stay sane too, you know. <laughs> right. No, no, no offense to the band. I meant like the audience as far as like. Oh, you know, will, oh, yeah, will, the, no. will their audience come back to see us? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what you got to hope for. I mean, that's why we're out there on tour. Right. You know, um, yeah. but doing it one night in your town. Right. Only gets you a crowd that'll show up when you play your town. Now, if you're playing your town 10 or 12 times a year, mm. those people have seen that show yep. a couple of times, maybe. And so they're not coming anymore. Yeah. Well, we don't have much. We don't have too much to support where we live either. I mean, we're on the radio. I actually didn't know we had like a local radio station kind of thing, but like we had an awesome venue called the fever and now nice. it's gone and now it's gone. 
Well, I mean, that's kind of the thing with indie, right? Like, you yeah. know, where is where is there for the underground metal scene right now in indie? And and as as long as I've been playing music, indie has had a vibrant underground metal scene. It's been very clickish at times. Huh. I'm not going to mince words about it, sure, because it sure has. Yeah. Um, especially back in like the message board days and like you know indie metal versus indie hardcore and indianapolis music and all you know all these different crowds or whatnot and it was very very clickish and very exclusive at times um but i think some of that drama drove people to shows mm-hmm. um and you know as much as i hate it because i despise drama i avoid it at all i will i will contort myself in all kinds of ways <laughs> to try and avoid drama i'm not yeah. You know, I'm, I am not that person. Um, but you know, it, it's really kind of depressing because like the Emerson's gone now I mean, and, and, you know, you, there's plenty of stories I'm sure that have probably already been told on this podcast about that place. It says gone now. Well, I, I, I don't think anybody has leased it. I think the, the, oh, no the, shit. the guy out of Chicago that was basically running crap at the emerson for the last couple of years mr, mr. C? c yep mr c oh. oh he's got a nickname already that's <laughs> awesome yeah and we, appropriate. We, talked, we talked about him in the very um first episode yeah yeah um okay yeah i remember that now but but you know he had a it, it was weird because do you did you have you ever worked with somebody and i'm not saying it's that guy it's it's actually another guy that that was working for him but have you ever worked with somebody who was so completely clueless and then huh. and then like when you had to basically do his job for him and then point it out to him how it needed to be done in the future oh actually became indignant with you like like how dare you wow you know <laughs> and so it was it was this guy that it, and that was my most recent no not my most recent experience with 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 the emerson but the one before that we were we were opening uh for a national band uh out there and i made it clear at the beginning of everything that I was not his ticket agent. You know, if, if, you know, he wanted us to sell tickets, you know, he was going to have to first get them to me. I wasn't going to drive my ass to Indianapolis to come pick them up. And second, we were going to get the money for every ticket that we sold, or we just weren't going to play the show. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, and all of that, seemed cool and he put us on the show and you know we were on the show and you know we got in there or whatnot and you know the very first thing you know like he comes up big smile on his face after he shows up two hours late (laughs) and you know uh you know puts his hand out you know hey i'm like uh, and and i cut him off i said you're late (laughs) damn (laughs) you weren't fucking around no I wasn't, you know, at that point I was, I was pissed. Yeah. And, 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 and the folks who, who know me 
know me to generally be super easy to get along with. I'm, I will go with the flow. I will be extremely accommodating where I can be. But once I'm pissed, (laughs) you know, I, I will dig my heels in like nobody else. And, and, you know, it, it irritated me because we, we ended up being the local opener for the show. And I did, I personally, I did, I would say 85 to 90% of the promotion for that show. And the first thing that he wants to ask me about after I tell him he's late is if I have his money. Oh my God. And I said, (laughs) and I looked him straight in the eye. I said, motherfucker, that was the question I was about to ask you. Wow. (laughs) Well, does this guy do shows all the time or is this just like a flunky? Uh, He was doing shows pretty regularly there. Is he EB? Uh, that's just the uh, no, initials. Okay. no, no. Okay. Um, but, uh, but you know, it was, it was weird because I guess his understanding was, is that we were just going to pay for the tickets <laughs> and we were, we were going to pay a hundred dollars to go and play the Emerson. Is this, and, I won't name him completely, but is does his name start with an M? No, it wasn't that guy. No, it wasn't that guy, but okay. But suffice to say, you know, I, I looked at him. I essentially said, I said, dude, you, we'll pack up our shit and go because I'm not about to pay to play a place that pays me to play here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. but, you know, it, it was, you know, it again, you know, things don't always happen the way that you expect them to happen. Things ended up getting worked out. You know, we ended up playing the show, uh, and and had a had a decent time. But mm. man, it just just nuts, just nuts. And that's not even the worst kind of situation like that that I've run into. I, I ran into that with a guy here in Kokomo, like way back in like the early two thousands. Booked a show, had an agreement with him in writing that you know I was putting on a show from this time to this time. I was going to have three bands. I was providing sound and lighting. Um, and basically all I expected him to provide was the venue and the bar where he was going to make his money. Mm. All of the door money for that side of the bar was coming to me. Seems like a pretty straightforward agreement. Was that at coconuts or tailgaters or whatever it was called back in the day? No, no, but we'll get, we'll, we will get to that. It was, (laughs) it was tailgaters at the time. And uh, obviously you remember tailgaters. So you remember who was running the place, right? Mm-hmm. The, the lady, the lady that was running the place. Now, of course, tailgaters had three stages. There was an outside stage with like a volleyball pit. There was a, an inside stage that had a whole bunch of mirrors and whatnot. That was just ridiculous to try and run sound in. But that was kind of like, the was main, this a strip club with all the like, mirrors? Uh, the club that we were playing used to be a strip club okay. but the 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 club that that brandon and i are talking about coconuts i don't think it was a strip club i don't okay. ever remember it being a strip club but like it, it, it used to it's the one that became center stage wasn't it yes yeah yeah but now i don't remember that being a strip club but the other place was if the i'm trying to think the one that was a strip club is the one we also played into that used to be uh I can't think of what it ended up turning into, but it right. had a bunch of different names. It did. It did. And, 
and, and like the town had been trying to close that joint down forever. But anyhow, he, he had two sides, like one side was kind of like a dance club strip club thing. And the other side was, was good for live music. And, you know, basically he had approached me at the time and wanted me to put on a show there because I was putting on a monthly metal show at coconuts at the time or, or tailgaters as it, as it was at the time. And I had, I had pretty much picked up where the previous guy, uh, Bill, uh, who had been running shows, uh for a for a while there and and like god love him you know he had the he had the worst reputation at the end of that but almost none of it was his fault like almost uh, like he just had the worst luck ever mm-hmm. um and, and crap just happened uh, he was a genuinely good dude his heart was in the right place or whatnot but things just screwed him every chance they got it was pretty sad, but we, we picked up from that and we had a pretty good relationship with the people over at tailgaters and that that'll become important later in this story. And so I had the agreement with the guy. And so, um, everything's cool up until we hit about 200 people through the door. Hmm. And then at that point, he comes to me and gives me this number and says that I need to pay him that much to cover the expense of him putting a door person there. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, fine, I'll put a door person there and you can have her go home. Well, I've also got a higher security. I was like, don't you have to have security here for your other side anyway? Right. So no, I'm not going to pay for your security. I'm not going to pay for your door guy. She says, well, you know, you're going to have to pay if you want to have a show here. I'm like, you don't think that I can't pick up a phone right now and get one of three stages 10 minutes away at the drop of a hat and move this entire show there and tell them exactly why. (laughs) Suffice it to say we had the show there and it was a great time, but you know, you know, there is, there's a really, there's a real trick to knowing when to be the guy that rolls over just to make the show happen versus being the guy who just rolls over. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you, you've got to, you got to figure out where that line is real quick because people will take advantage of you every chance they get in this industry. I actually reached out to Steve because I wanted to talk to him about the whole center stage thing. And kind of talked a little bit, but he hasn't really gotten back to me about confirming if he'd come on or not. But I don't know if you've ever heard of all the shit that went down with center stage, but I heard, and I won't name drop the people, but we'll call one guy burrito and <laughs> accurate. Yes. I've got a, I've got a story about that guy too. Yeah. And, uh, the other maybe, guy, maybe offline. Yeah. The other guy, we'll just call him the menace. Yeah. Um, they, uh, now he's opening a new venue in Kokomo, believe it or not. Menace. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually in one of the other strip clubs that that same guy owned. Is yeah. it the is it the one that used to be the ultimate place to be? It's it's actually the one on the north end of town. Okay. Because uh I think it's going to be yeah. called the warehouse or something like that. The warehouse, I believe. I've got, I've got a lot of stories that I won't air. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. But there's a uh, yeah, I wasn't. I think there's a lot of things that went on, and I'd like to hear his take on how it went down because I know there's a lot of 
big shows and stuff that went through there. And I, I love that place, but it kind of that's a cool place. Yeah, that was worth the drive for me because you, they had pretty decent food and like plenty of room. Mm-hmm. It's like and it was yeah. all ages. And I was yeah, yeah. And I'm like somebody really fucked this up. <laughs> yeah, right? well, I always heard it was burrito and the menace that was the real downfall. <laughs> well, see, yeah, I, and I, I don't, I don't know any of that, um, but I just know that I tried very hard to encourage them to like kind of be the focal point for the local scene. Um, and you know, it just, I, I really, I really wish that there was a better way for them to promote their venue and get the word out about the, the, the shows that were coming through there, but there just isn't media for it in Kokomo, Mm. you know, and, and, you know, it just may, I don't know, maybe it was too difficult to reach out to the, the media and the surrounding areas. I would, I would have stuff in, in Fort Wayne and Indianapolis, you know, every day advertising shows at that place. If that was, that was I mean, running. I knew about the shows, so I drove my happy ass. Like I yeah. forgot how far Kokomo is from me, but like hour and a half or something like that. That's not too bad. No, but I mean, it's better than driving Chicago or Indy. So I'm like, hell yeah, I just don't drive there. I mean, the yeah. drive makes you fall asleep, but whatever. It's cool. Right. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure exciting. it's still there, but I don't know even know what the hell goes on anymore. Um, country like bar <laughs> at the 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 side of it that wasn't the venue side, at the very least, is a Mexican restaurant now. Yeah. So I don't know what happened to the venue side though. So I rented it out Mexican for those couple band. of shows years back. Like I, I think remember I you, that. Yeah, the yeah. summer beatdown show. I think I had you guys on it. Yep. And um, we always had a good time there, and then the people that I were dealing with, it was still, it was supposed to be theirs quote unquote, but it was still ran by the same guy that owned the strip clubs. <laughs> and, uh, that is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a lot of shady things that were going on behind the scenes. And, you know, needless to say that I was supposed to be getting a show booked up. And like, oh, we're not open anymore for that. I was like, okay. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that all did kind of happen kind of suddenly, it seemed like. Yeah, I don't I don't really know, but I don't I never did hear an accurate thing of what went down with the center stage name of it. Because I know like I was always under the impression that, that was Steve's thing and I was always curious because I've always heard rumors from those that were running shows were not paying well, he, the he, paying the touring a- bands and stuff, so he had a partner though, didn't he? Yeah. I, I don't know who the partner was. I always thought the partner was the same guy that ran the strip clubs. But no, no, I think it was another guy that, that Steve had worked with. I wonder if it's E B. Mm, no, mm. I want to say his name was Henry. <laughs> yeah. I know who you're talking about. He's the guy that's from up north. And I don't think he was Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, the guy up north. Oh, EB is what we call him. <laughs> EB Pavey. <laughs> no lens glasses wearing motherfucker. No, that was uh, that guy's name was uh, I don't fucking care. His name was Josh. Um, <laughs> oh, that was that Ardvert guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy EB, he's up from Chicago area. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah I, I remember back in the day he had his tentacles around here and they got drove out. Yeah, well, that was a guy that I, I think it's the episode we're gonna have coming out here in a couple of weeks. But someone else kind of mentioned him, 
and he didn't name drop him, but I knew who it was. Like, isn't he the one that was like a chomo? And he's like, well, I don't know anything about that. I was like, well, I kind of heard that's part of why he was kind of a creep around the scene. Yikes. But uh, anytime anybody looks like the, the one of the brothers on the Metalocalypse, the John Pooh <laughs> brothers, anytime any one of them that resembles the guy, any of those guys that like, especially the wheelchair one, it's not to be trusted. I mean, I don't know why, <laughs> where they got like the, you know, the inspiration for that guy. But I'm like, oh, that it, it was. It's hard because when you say E, there was two guys up in that area that had the letter E as their first name. And one was cool, yeah. and the other one was kind of a creep. Well, his last name was B. Yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. The other guy's last name was R. God, there's a whole lot of if you know, you know going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think everyone that's it, been involved in Indiana, you especially mean, the, the metal e, scene, wait, is dealt with. No, the ER guy is pretty cool. Yeah, that's right? the one I yeah, said. He's yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, no. I've dealt I with him, to, and he's always been no, cool. I, I used to talk yeah. to him. I don't know what, he, what he's up to. He He brought a lot of stuff, and like, he didn't ask anybody for much at all. And like, how's this guy so kind? I mean, I'm sure he's been taken yeah. advantage of. He asked like... us to play Mal- with Maltov Solution back in 2011. Yeah. And the reason this oh, show man. sticks out is because, and James knows the drummer that I'm referring to. Yep. Um, you guys also shared the same drummer with us for a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, um that was going to be the show that we went up there and played and just left him there because it was going to be his last show with us. And we weren't planning on bringing him home. Oh, yikes well that's awful it is awful but if the the drama and bullshit that kept going on with this guy and i've mentioned it before and i do kind of feel bad about it he's the one that did pass away a couple of years ago but he um there was just what, no some... not not the drummer yeah oh the one that you guys had and he jammed with you for a little bit and born under burden Kel. i don't Oh no no oh yeah he he jammed he he tried out a couple yeah. of times that's right that's right yeah oh yeah I, I thought you were gonna cry just now like, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's no, gone I was, like, I was like hold on like well, well because Brandon and I also kind of shared another drummer uh, okay briefly damn drummers whores man yeah well I mean there's Horse. only there's only so many of them to pass around yeah you gotta oh, kind of get in early while they're I still keep tight. saying this all the time drum parents teach your kids to be drummers and bassists you'll they'll always mm-hmm. have a job. Yeah, don't send them to college. We need drummers. Yep. <laughs> That's the <But> mean. No, <laughs> he was like mid-20s and he was getting grounded by his mom and he wasn't allowed to be in the band anymore. So he was just going to sneak off and go play the show with us. And we were like, you know what? We're just going to leave you up there and have your mom come get you because you're grounded from the band at 26 years old. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember this happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the whole plan. And then we ended up, he ended up, just saying fuck it he quit the band beforehand because he wasn't allowed to be in the band anymore and there was a bunch of drama yeah there was a bunch of drama that was going on so we didn't even get to play that show but that was the whole point of that discussion was i was dealing with the the one guy the er guy and he was real cool he's like hey i'm gonna ask you guys to sell tickets he's like you're not from here so if you don't sell any fuck it (laughs) all right (laughs) i got it but he's a he's a cool guy god bless him yeah yeah you gotta you, you've got to cherish those guys that that yeah. really understand that you know if you take care of the bands they're going to take care of you right you know and, and like I, sorry we had a we had a guy that we worked with out of frankfurt for a while uh when i was in burden and he was really close to the band mm-hmm. but 
um, like he finally found a venue that had it sorted out, like, like had figured it out and had a great relationship with the owner. <clears throat> and over the years, he had kind of built a good reputation for throwing good metal shows, bringing in like regionally touring bands or whatnot, and basically filling his side of the bar on the weekends that he was throwing metal shows. So great. Well, the, uh, the, the venue owner agreed to him to start offering the local bands who were bringing crowds into their bar guarantees. And so basically, you know, you'd roll up and he'd hand you a hundred dollars and a hundred dollar guarantee for a local band. It was, was pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the very least, you know, you guys were going to get drunk and not have to pay a whole bunch. Uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, he had it sorted out where, you know, bands would basically beg him to book them at his venue because they, he, they knew that they would come and get paid. Well, he was in a unique opportunity as a promoter. I don't think after a while, he never went online to do one of those casting calls. Like, Hey guys, you know, I need a band to fill a slot for da, 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 da. Never had that problem. Mm. He had a whole list of bands that he could call up on a day's notice and say, Hey, this band dropped off. Can you guys come on? Or, you know, with a couple of hours notice, Hey, can you guys get together and, you know, come out and do 30 minutes, you know, or whatnot. <laughs> he had that list of bands that yeah. wanted to come play for him because he took care of them. You know, you'd get, you know, four or five drinks a person, you know, as far as like drink ticket type thing. Yeah. And he'd hand you a hundred dollars as a band. When you walked in the door, you didn't have to wait for it at the end of the night, but that was what you got paid. Was this the guy, his name started with a J. Yeah. 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 I, we played a show there with you guys. That was one of the last birth of an empire shows. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that dude was cool. Yeah. And, and he was doing it the right way and his shows were usually pretty full. And the thing is, is there was no cover charge. You know, the, the bar didn't make anything off of people walking in, in the door. They made their money selling alcohol, like the way that it should be. Right. But, you know, a lot of venues haven't figured out that if you don't have the relationship with a promoter that is willing to build, to, to put in the work, to not only promote the shows, but to build the relationship with the bands that he wants to work with, hmm. you know, You've got, you've got to have that. And if you do, then you're going to have a regular crowd and that's how you build a scene. Otherwise you've got to count on bands who are competing with each other to start watching and liking each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of why I've always hated like battles of the bands and things like that is because, you know, here it is, it's a money grab for a promoter when you boil it down to it. Is everybody's everybody's you know more or less buying into their slot you know to to win you know cash and prizes or whatnot but you're doing a whole lot of promotion for somebody else to get a bunch of people to his show or to his bar or whatnot so that you know you can compete with these other bands and what does it do for the relationship between the bands <laughs> it's terrible yeah. because somebody's somebody's always shady and it's usually the person who won you know, you get a spider on your back. I'm told. Yeah. Right. Oh, that was the wolf spider wanting to attack us because we won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, your scene's been dead since 2001. It, it has been. <laughs> <laughs>
He has been listening. He threw that reference out. <laughs> but no, uh, I was supposed to be doing those shows here in town for Richard. And yeah, yeah. I We're actually got... playing the nickel plate here soon. Yeah, I booked that show with you guys on it in that January. And then the whole beast era happened and that whole thing went out the window. They're still doing shows there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, we had a we had a band from out of state kind of ask us to come in and uh, play with them. Oh, nice. So, yeah, and it's it's going to be a good warm up for tour. We're uh, going to end up leaving uh, first week of May to go out on the road. So, yeah, yeah. Nice. But yeah, um, I enjoy doing that stuff. I've actually been contemplating on doing it again and now that this podcast is going on i've kind of mentioned it like maybe we'll throw some like some of the bands that we've interviewed have like a dark side of the scene episode or not up but a show or whatever happens dark some side of bash yeah you gotta, you gotta you gotta do the show and the podcast a live same stream night. yeah <laughs> like just get you know grab a member or two from each band and just have kind of like a round table discussion that'd, that'd be, be great cool. if I- That'd be great if a fight broke out too and you're capturing it. Oh, <laughs> see, that would be perfect. That would be uh-huh. great material. Oh boy. Yeah. I think we've been going on for almost two and a half hours. Oh my goodness. So it yeah. doesn't feel like it's been that long, but you've probably got enough material that you're gonna need to, gonna need to edit quite a bit out of it. <laughs> oh, I don't fucking edit anything. I'm lazy. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Longest it... episode ever. Yeah. We um uh... We had one the other day that was a little over two hours as well. So nice. Very cool. But no, I, I don't no. want to go through all the every everyday thing. Like sometimes if there's one word or something here and there that I gotta bleep out, I can go and cut it real quick because I have to do that the other day because Ed decided to drop a word that we've talked about that we can't talk about. <laughs> it just slipped out. <laughs> right. Fuck. So I got I gotta go listen to that whole episode just to figure out where the fuck that was. Man, eventually you're going to start like making post-it notes and you're just going to note what time on the Zoom call. Yeah. Oh, there we go. That's where I've got to go back to and just edit that out. Oh, yeah. I totally fucked up. Yeah. Fucking head. <laughs> Oops. Dropping the words that we know are going to get us red flagged. I, I don't even know why. Yeah. I, I even said the beast many times, but then I accidentally said. Uh, he actually other... said he said it, too. I noticed that he did drop it once. Did wow. I? No, not you, the guy oh, that we interviewed oh, the other day. He said it earlier and then Ed ended up saying it later. It's like, well, oh, there's man, there's man. two edits two I gotta spots. go make. Yeah. Two spots. Darn. Damn it. But no, uh, if you wanna talk about the band and the tour a little bit where they can check okay. you out at while you're on the road. Yeah. Um we are uh Salem's child, uh with an E on the very end. Uh so and all of our socials uh, are that way. So it's uh, Facebook.com, Salem's Child. Uh, youtube.com salem's child spotify salem's child all of you know all of that uh all that stuff uh but we've also got a salemschild.com that has access to our web store um has updated news uh tour dates and things like that um we're going to be doing a tour with uh with doyle this spring uh we leave and our first date is in uh brooklyn new york on the 4th of may and we're going to be going uh, through like New Jersey, Massachusetts, uh, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky. Uh, we've got a show at the Hi-Fi in Indianapolis on the 12th, uh, you know, up in uh, Chesterfield, Michigan, Kent, Ohio, and then all the way out to Colorado. We wrap up our run with them on the, the uh, 18th. 
out in uh, Grand Junction, Colorado. Hmm. So out on the west side of Colorado, it's it's weird. It's it's a it's a strange routing because like the show on the 14th is basically just outside of Akron, Ohio. So all the way to kind of like the east side of Ohio. And we've got to get all the way to to Denver in two days. Huh. Wow. Yeah. 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 Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably normally like a straight shot through is going to take like almost an entire day anyways, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it, it definitely would. And that was, you know, that was a pretty rough stretch of last tour or whatnot, because we ended up coming from uh, Colorado Springs to, and I think our next show was not the next day, but the day after in Cincinnati or just mm-hmm. outside of Cincinnati. So, yeah, it's a, lot- it's it's a rough drive. I've made the drive from Phoenix all the way back to Peru in 29 hours, I think. Yeah. Like straight shot, not really stopping, like stop for like maybe half hour here and there. But yeah, yeah most of that is such a boring drive too. Mm-mm. Yep. We went yeah. on the way down. I went through Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, all that shit. On the way back, I went up through Colorado, Kansas. I made sure I didn't come back the same way I went, so I've seen a little bit of difference. Yeah. But driving at fucking nighttime through the mountains sucks. Yeah. So, but yeah. It sure does. Back to the, the band stuff. You want to talk right. about the song a little bit, the name of it? and. The uh, the name of the song that I gave you is uh, The Sin That Saves You. It's the title track off of the album that we released in October 2020 uh, through Pavement Entertainment. Um, it uh, uh, It's a song, uh, and, and the video was the very first video that we released uh, out of all of the videos for the album, uh, like we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it uh, it's a song, or, or the, actually the video stars... Uh, one of the two guys that uh, one of the two veterans that we worked with really closely and focuses a lot on uh, the issue of like veteran suicide and things like that. So um, yeah, uh, you know, these guys, uh, these guys are out on the line. uh, Some of them making the ultimate sacrifice for, you know, what they at least believe to be, you know, uh, our nation's best interests. So um, got a lot of respect and a lot of you know yeah. a lot of a lot of reverence for for what they do and the sacrifices that they've made so this Definitely. was kind of this was kind of our our tribute to that i respect that yep but yep. well i do appreciate you coming on definitely enjoy talking with you it's always nice to talk to someone you do know because i feel like conversation is a little bit easier right i mean you can skip a lot of the pleasantries <laughs> sure. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the getting to know you is. Yeah. Yeah. Ed, you'll oh. just have to catch up. I feel like the more Ed I've been doing this, the easier Scotten. It's not as a uh, the first couple episodes I felt like are a little bit wonkier, but anymore yeah. I think we've gotten gotten the whole thing down a little bit better. Right. Well, I mean, you were still taking your first steps, right? And trying to figure out. How, I just what, I what just talk shit regard. I just talk shit regardless to whoever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, that seems to be working for you. Yeah, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, well, we... I, thanks a lot, guys. I, I I really do appreciate you guys oh, having cool. me on here. This yeah. has been a lot of fun, and and I hope you know maybe a little educational, at least you know for the younger guys out there that haven't had a chance to experience this yet. 
and you know and, and unlike a lot of people in the scene you know who would be real dicks you know once they get to this level and be like <laughs> you know whatever i fucking made it you know dude, i hope we all fucking make it dude right yep for sure that's yeah. the problem i think with a lot of it is that everyone is so competitive i've mentioned that on other episodes like every band around here to an extent everyone has to believe in their own self otherwise if you right. don't believe in your own music like who else is going to that, yeah that's the to me the i'm the competitor with myself i'm just trying to make the best songs for myself for the band yeah. not right. like i'm gonna rip on somebody else like no i got my own kind of challenges here you know i'm gonna be cool with these people but i'm gonna battle myself there's yeah. always yeah. he's even mentioned it a little like there's always that click though there's always certain groups certain bands yeah. certain buddy systems and some are in it some aren't in it if you're not in it you don't get to play certain things like that's everywhere it's that's not just dumb. here that's just dumb could be closed minded you know right you're losing out on friends that you could be making whatever right. uh-huh. and 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 bands will start like scene drama out of the stupidest shit like <laughs> you know you stole my band name you know you, you <laughs> stole you stole my girlfriend like or yeah <laughs> you fucked my mom <laughs> uh, well <laughs> well okay dad <laughs> all right well on that note we're gonna <laughs> roll on out that's the, that's the real dark side of the scene right yeah. there <laughs> we just got so dark so we have to close this one out so yeah, too dark Put them. Right, right on guys take well, it easy i again i appreciate it yep no thank you for coming out definitely right. appreciate it yep Later. <laughs>